Hello, everyone. My name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the number one show all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. Episodes drop every other Monday where we discuss the biggest Joshi news, review shows, and preview the hottest upcoming Joshi action. So whether you're a new fan or an old fan, we've got something here for you at Jumping Bomb Audio. Check us out on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day. January 3rd, 2023. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network feed or our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you would like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. Click the red box that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one time or recurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but I would like to thank all of our previous donors. I am one of your hosts, it's your pal, Mike Spears, joined alongside as always, Case Low and Case. This is one of my favorite episodes of the year, I feel like. I, I like how we kick off each calendar year with an episode like this one, but how are you doing, buddy? I, I'm doing quite well. I'm with you. I'm excited for this episode because, it, you know, 48 hours ago, this was a pretty cut and dry year in review, but we've got some news to talk about. I've got a fun game for you that you don't know about. And then we're going to get into some highly contested Drangate 2022 year end awards from the Open the Voice Gate podcast and Open the Voice Gate podcast listeners. I am very excited to talk about a number of things this week. Yeah, it, it's something about I love like, like the one thing that I can take from our DGUSA Rewind or Watch series that I really kind of discovered this. I love like taking stock. I love being able to have things in the hindsight, you know, turn around and look at the year that was. So I love this kind of episode. And I love being able to do these awards. We have a new twist with it this year. And you, you know what I was thinking as I was making dinner tonight before we started the show? What's that? 
you you know that there are the Happy Gate Awards, and they have that, and I think they're called like the, the like the best match awards on the network. But they have something great there that I think we should co-opt for What's our, that? for the awards. They don't use ulti enough, and I've mm. thought about this for years, Casey. If you know one thing about Mike Spears is that he believes they should use ulti the dragon more. Maybe we can try to make these the ulti awards going forward. I, I love it. Look, if if the Lek Corporation isn't going to give us money to make this the Clean Paw official Drangate Awards of 2022, I am all in favor of co-opting Ulti and using him as the face for these prestigious awards. How aren't they reaching out to us? You know, reaching out, and I could use a year uh, of all t- of all people right now. Case I, I can't think of anyone else who could use bathroom wipes more than me right now. I I don't know what you mean by that. I I just gotta get things clean. Oh, oh, well, I okay. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> if you're having issues in that department, no, 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 no. It, it, it's like <laughs> if one for, guy it, needs to clean his bathroom, it's me, Mike Spears. Hey, Ho Ho Loon understands that, but uh, no, I, it's because who knows if I'm gonna be showing that bathroom, showing the house soon. I it's gotta stay clean, so I could use a year supply of clean pot right now. Let me ask you something wrestling related, but still out of pocket. As okay. you mentioned, our our Drangit USA Rewind and Rewatch series just a second ago, where we watched all fifty two Drangit USA shows, or I think it was fifty fifty Drangit USA shows. Talked about them on this very podcast. You can go back and listen to those. I'm incredibly proud of some of the work, uh, so, some of the work that we did on those. Can you point to not your favorite? Maybe it's favorite. Maybe it's best. Maybe maybe they're uh, serendipitous in this scenario. What do you think is the best piece of booking that Gabe did in Drangate USA? Best piece of booking. I you know, something you you rub your hands together. You know that that's pro wrestling right there. That's a nice piece of business. What what did Gabe do in the five years of Drangate USA? If there is one that comes to mind, that yeah. that ticks that box for you. It, it's a shame that like the back two thirds of Dragon Gate USA, the booking gets really like sometimes it's there and sometimes there's dismatches on the show because you have to kind of go early. And for me, and, and this was something that I did not think as fondly of it while we were doing it, but now I'm sitting back, you know, reflecting, you know, hindsight. Uh, Chikara Sekigun and Kamikaze USA, that was a good storyline. With, a, with actually at a time where they were able to pull off the endings without people being signed or going elsewhere, so you're being left in a lurch. That was a pretty well-completed story that didn't necessarily happen much later on with Dragon Gate USA. That's a really good shout. Not what I was thinking at all, but that does remind me that, and I raved about this at the time, the The final match in that feud, it was the Chikari Gun, Sekigun, and Masadi Yoshino versus the lads at Kamikaze USA is a Desert Island edition Drangate USA match for me. It is just so perfectly laid out. I think that right there, that yeah, that's a great pick, Mike. This is why we do this podcast, because I hadn't even thought about that. And that is really a strong piece of business. I would say, it's funny that you went early, because I'm going to go late, actually. I think the fact that Johnny Gargano and Shingo were able to have this incredible match where I think the finish, where Gargano officially turns heel, does not hinder the match at all, and then Gargano goes on to have this career-defining heel run as a result, the fact that he was able to carefully move all of those moving pieces into place, I think is incredible. 
And I think that is the best thing that he did. I ask that because if you're a Voices of Wrestling flagship Patreon subscriber last week, Joe Lanza tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, can you do a match of the week this week? He typed it meaning to ask because it's final gate week if I would do one, but he wrote final battle. And so I did uh, Austin Aries versus Samoa Joe for the Ring of Honor World title in 2004 because it was the 18th anniversary of that match. And I, I kind of determined while writing it, I think that might be Gabe's single biggest stroke of genius in the way that Aries won that, the, the build to Aries winning that match and the way that Aries won that match. He accomplished the impossible of having a giant dominant world champion lose his title and then for the next reign to also be successful. I mean, pro wrestling Noah never recovered from Kenta Kobashi's incredible GHC title run from 2003 to 2005. I just wanted to get your perspective uh, as somebody that's drank at USA pilled as to what you think Gabe's finest moment was there. And I, I think Chikara Sekigun versus Kamikaze is an underrated, albeit great answer. Yeah, because the the one thing I could say about that, because I, I fig, figure it's one of those two, really. I mean, I guess you can do the overall Gargano kind of going for the title and the whole thing of Chuck Taylor and how that kind of fell out as a storyline. But I don't think that was that strong. But when you look at like Gargano, especially at that time, like there were not a lot of very good storylines being told. And I think that also helps out that because they were able to encapsulate it basically within a match so there so you had the follow-up there whereas when things get really frayed in dragon gate usa and evolve in wwn there's just not the the, the chance to do the follow-ups just wasn't there as much so being able to have something that was encapsulated in one match and then a direction going forward was really something that like given the scenario and the, and the time frame like that's as about as well as one could do i think with dragon gate usa in 2013 I am now of the belief, after listening to what I thought were painful arguments for Rossi Ogawa's inclusion in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame this past year, as somebody, by the way, who voted for Sanshiro Takagi, I, I'm I'm pretty convinced that he belongs in and pretty convinced that Ogawa doesn't belong in a 50-mile radius of this imaginary Hall of Fame. At the very least, I think Gabe should be considered I think he should be on the ballot and I think he should probably get in. I don't see that happening. I don't see him ever getting 60% of the vote, but it, it's yeah. something that I'm starting to think a lot about. And I'm, I'm pretty convinced that, that he's in my mind, a wrestling observer newsletter hall of famer. So whether it's Drangy USA related ring of honor related evolve related FIP related could be NXT related. I, I would love for people in the open the voice gate discord channel to Sound off on what you think Gabe's peak as a booker was in terms of one singular moment or one singular feud uh, that you think was his finest work. It's something I've thought a lot about over the last week because, you know, in the moment it seemed like Aries versus Joe was received well, which was a monumental feat. And 18 years later, it's something that has gone down in, in history as this great feat of booking. And I think that's really, really impressive uh, by his standard. And then he has another 15 years of sometimes good, sometimes great, sometimes horrendous work. But it, it, nevertheless, uh, as we approach the uh, the start of the year, rather, I guess, I, I would like to know what people think of Gabe as a Hall of Famer and Gabe's best booking choices. Yeah, uh... I think he's a much better case than Rossi Ogawa by far, to be quite honest. Like, I think good for Rossi Ogawa, you know, being able to, to get the narrative change this, this way and completely ignoring uh, the 90s. So. I mean, 
Gabe changed wrestling for the yes. better. I, for, no. for the not just change wrestling, I think change wrestling for the better. You know, yeah. I, I I read a tweet once that really annoyed me from somebody that I, I I don't remember who exactly it was, but it was just something along the lines of it's such a shame that Gabe fell in love with 2000s Puro when he could have fell in love with 2000s Lucha, and I thought that is such a stupid fucking take to have. The the, the idea of tinkering with anything Ring of Honor related from 2004, but basically post Feinstein until Gabe was fired, I I just. I, I have a very hard time thinking about anything there because I, you know, like I said, I think he changed wrestling for the positive. Yeah. And I take like the overall warts and all view towards it. And like, I, my personal misgivings about Gabe Sapolsky aside, I just look at the, my, my big question case. Can you tell the story of pro wrestling without Gabe Sapolsky? And the answer is no, you can't. So he's in, no, because in I, I even, I mean, I look at the second part of his career. I look at Drang at USA and evolve as a net positive overall. Now there's plenty of warts and bumps and bruises and cuts and scars. And, and, and who's the net positive for, for DGUSA? <laughs> uh, well, Ricochet. Ricochet. Yeah. No, that that's definitely someone who had a net positive. Johnny Gargano. Yeah. Net positive. I mean, you know, he might be a dork now, but Ricochet, if he's not a millionaire, he should be. And if he's a millionaire, he should be a billionaire off of his professional wrestling skill. He just happens to be surrounded by incompetence. And that is partially his fault for continuing to sign contracts and partially not his fault. Cause it's the environment that he's in and he's got a kid and I get it. It's his life, but no, it's, uh, you know, uh, again, there's plenty of flaws. I'm not going to write this article and, and highlight style battle as one of Gabe's many perks, but nevertheless, I, I think that second run of his career is a, is an overall net positive. Yeah, and and it's something that I really look at, and, and and it's something that I think that the electorate probably needs to decide. Influence can apply in a lot of different ways, and I think Gabe Sapolsky's influence. I mean, probably fifty people have uh, full time contracts because of Gabe Sapolsky. Yeah, it's least. not it's not a mythical influence case like some people no, have. There's no. a direct. This guy worked with Gabe Sapolsky, and thus he got a contract. That's, yeah, yeah, there's oh, a reason the evolved, throughout wrestling. Yeah, there's a reason the evolved finishing school became a trope. No, it was, it was literal. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So yeah, no. Uh interesting. Yeah, no, that that that's one that I, I like looking at that kind of stuff from a different angle. So I'm glad you brought that up there. Should we get to the content for this week? Let's talk about show. Yeah, so this came out last night from Joe Lanza, the flagship wrestling podcast. Dragon Gate actually, uh, according to Joe Lanza's reporting, on the free agent hunt, but not as someone departing Dragon Gate, but the, the chance that Dragon Gate might be looking at relatively big name free agents. Case. Yeah, this is something, as Joe pointed out in his write up, which is on the flagship Patreon, and it has. You know, really interesting news on New Japan and All Japan and especially Pro Wrestling Noah. But as it pertains to our universe, uh, you know, Joe notes that really for the first time in their history, they are looking at acquiring outside wrestlers. And the two that they have targeted are the former team of Rapongi 3K, Sho and Yo with Joe noting in this write-up that Yo seems to be happy where he is, while Sho, and Joe has reported this for, God, probably 18 months now, that Sho is pretty uninterested in the work that he's doing in House of Torture, and at the very least, there was a fruitful conversation in terms of Sho possibly jumping ship to Dragon Gate. 
Yeah, and it's something that when this came out, okay, it's like my first thing, and, and it's something like independently. I've been go with, with going through coverage of Dragon Gate lately. I, I, I think it's a fair way to put it. And it's something that, like f- Joe, as Joe noted and was right, Dragon Gate historically, in a lot of ways, is such a self-contained thing that, that people leave Dragon Gate, they don't really join. Like Kai is such an aberration in the greater scheme of things. And that's also as it pertains to like free agency, as Joe like brought out there, because really when you look at how Dragon Gate operates, and I think that's something that from my understanding of, I would like to get into in, in, in a second case, but with the way that Dragon Gate operates, they would not necessarily ever be in a position to get someone as a free agent. That's not only to mention the fact that, you know, when Go Shiozaki, when the burning guys were bouncing between All Japan and Noah a couple of years ago, it they completely like other than Kataro Suzuki and like Kanamaru, like you bring in them, look at how bit how small the rest of the roster looks like. So it was something that just never fully made sense. There weren't really junior heavyweights in that sense that could just pour it on over and uh, until I guess recently. Yeah. You know, it's funny talking about this in the context of 2022 Dragon Gate, which we're here to kind of recap, because from numerous people, and and Joe Lanza being one of them with the the excellent work he does on the flagship podcast, you know, talking about this year about how Dragon Gate doesn't feel like it once was. And for you and I, and for a lot of people, that wasn't an issue, but there was also a pretty vocal camp that that agreed and, and had this issue of, you know, look, Shima's gone, Shingo's gone, Tozawa's gone. It's just not the promotion that I once loved. What's funny to me is that the only other time we've really seen a direct inclusion of wrestlers not from the dojo was in 2018, where in one fell swoop, all of a sudden, Kai Hiroshi Yamato and Kazuma Sakamoto stepped into the promotion, and that was when my antennas were up. That was me waving red flags going, whoa, 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 what, what is this? This is not my Drangate. Who are these guys? And as we saw with, you know, Kazuma, he turned out to be a net positive as a freelancer for those years. Hiroshi Yamato flamed out and he stopped getting booked, and Kai, as I raved about last week, is to me yet another success story within the dragon system in the same way of a young bucks or a Pac or a ricochet Kai should be on that list of guys that came to Dragon and got better because he's doing the best work of his career. And I never would have imagined this would be possible four years ago when he came into the company. Yeah. And so all the inclusions recently outside of foreigners, and this is all stuff that I think, you bring up 2018. I think that's a key thing about 2018. All right, we need to fill up cards. We're taking on water. Let's see what works, what doesn't. Show and Yo would be a completely different scenario because of how they they would be coming, where they would be coming from. Uh, th- there's some things that I I I think I can only speak for myself. This is the my sourcing on this like it was news to me from the sourcing but it's also the kind of stuff that my sourcing wouldn't necessarily talk about i would say but show coming in i think we kind of have to talk about things coming off the books and thing and people coming in here and why i don't question joe's reporting why this is something that i don't know if it solves all the problem that they were saying that they were solving case if that makes sense yeah go, go in on that just a little bit so, and again, I am not calling out here 
the, 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 I want to make that abundantly clear. So uh, a while back, uh, uh, Joe's reporting mentions that when talking with with people within Dragon Gate, talking about people leaving the promotion, it was like, oh yeah, we needed to, we need the flexibility of being able to pay our younger guys, and it was something that you had older names that in a seniority system would have much higher pay just because of how it operates and and being around the company coming off the books and being able to pay people that were the, the that probably should have been paid better a little bit sooner so they were doing that but when you bring in someone like show contracts and from my understanding of the economic landscape out there i'm wondering because it's not that it's like a one-to-one oh this contract and this contract equals a show it's just saying like that's a different kind of thing that like that you, you were trying to make sure everyone in house was taken care of. Now you're bringing people in that would have a complete, that would have a higher contract that they'd be expected to. I think that's fair to say case. Yeah. But you know, let, let's ignore the influx of rookies for one second, because obviously they take up, you know, some size of, of the salary that ultimately makes up the company. But just looking at this from, like a trade machine type lens, looking at this from a a sports perspective in terms of freeing room and cap space. If you remove the contracts of Gamma, Kness, and Super Shisa, and this is all hypothetical, but if you take away those contracts and Kaito Ishida, who left the promotion this year, that certainly feels like it's in the ballpark of, hey, we could go out and get somebody, don't you think? Yeah, but then it's also... Hey, we're trying to the, using a trade machine thing of you got to sign some of those guys to extensions that you were trying to clear that cap for. Some of those exceptions, like you don't want to use that that exception on Gamma anymore, you know? Yeah, I, I, to me, that you know, uh, again, I look. I mean, no, no, no one covers the Japanese wrestling scene better than Joe Lanza, and and over the last two years. Uh, as his exclusive news from Japan has picked up, his accuracy rate is astonishing. So I, I, I firmly believe that the yeah, wheels I, are. I, I, I was not calling out. No, no, Joe I, I'm not. I'm not saying you were. I yeah. just want to mention that you know I firmly believe the wheels are in motion for this. Whether it happens or not, look, I'll, I'll believe it when show shows up in Cork and Hall. But it's reason for me to believe that although we talk about often on this show how depleted the entire industry is how rough things are for every promotion, New Japan included, we have noted that Dragon Gate has kept their head above water more successfully than other promotions. This is a very interesting time for them in terms of forming you know, what some people think is a new identity. I just think it's pushing forward, and I, I think they saw the success they got with Kai into a lesser degree with Sakamoto, and I... I think they see an opportunity to make a big splash. And, you know, my initial takeaway was a show has been so uninteresting for two years now. I mean, I don't, I, I don't think I watched a show match in 2022 and I, I probably skipped 98% of his work in 2021. My initial thought was, God, it's been so interesting. It, it's been so long rather since show has been interesting. I don't know how this would work. And then this afternoon I went back and I watched him and Shingo from the 2019 best of the super juniors. And I said, Oh no, this is a guy that if, if Drangate can get him, I think I want him involved because he would be coming in as a name in a different sort of situation than Sakamoto and Kai were coming into something that Drangate has never dealt with before. 
but I firmly believe that through, you know, a month of touring show could get the rhythm down and he would be a standout in this promotion. Yeah. It's like, I'm of a similar mindset of you about that. I think that just being Frank, uh, with Dragon Gate and its spot, I would say not only in the international minds, but also like publicly, if you look, if you're someone that like, let's somehow like try to act like that we are someone completely unfamiliar with wrestling and we come across a newsstand and we come across weekly pro wrestling. And it's something that if you were to take stock of it, of how weekly pro wrestling it, the covers and the situations there it's it's geared very quickly over the last i would say 30 months last two and a half years towards a, a handful of uh, covers if you aren't a part of conglomerate company or a traditional company so being able and say like hey uh shows here and being able to do that in january traditionally a very quiet month in dragon gate and we'll talk about how quiet it is later but it's if you're able to do that then and maybe kind of carve a position in people's minds on the newsstand, that's something that wasn't happening for a while. And doing getting show at the very least, like I have no question about his wrestling ability. I think that he is someone that it, as long as he's not being obstinate, I think he, he could wrestle a house style within months, as you said. But it's something that, you know, maybe this is a way to, that Dragon Gate's been shut out of Tokyo Sports for a while. Maybe this is a way to kind of break in there a little bit and try to remind people. And I think this would be low on the priority list, but on the list nonetheless, you know, Drangate is going to spend an extensive amount of time in North America this year between the United States and Mexico. You know, even just within the next month, you know, Ben K versus Jacob Fatu, Lucky Ali versus SB Kento, KZ versus Trey Lamar, and Big Boss Shimizu versus Aaron Mercer. Those matches are all on the books in the United States. We haven't talked on this show about Shimizu coming to Houston yet, but that's something that's going to happen in February, and I'm delighted at that prospect. I think he could get yeah. super, super over there. Sh- Shimizu in Houston. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. So... This is low on the list of things that I think they would care about in a move like this. But ultimately, Mike, what do English-speaking fans care about when it comes to Japanese wrestling? They care about New Japan, and they care about stardom. And for some godforsaken reason, they care about Ultimo Dragon. I, I don't get it. I understand that he was on American TV 30 years ago at this point almost. But holy shit, do I get annoyed when Kaito Nagano gifts are passed around from even prominent accounts, and I see like seven retweets, 12 likes, and then people move on with their day. And then I see a gif of Ultimo doing a, a back spin kick and his takedown head scissors, and it's like 1.3 thousand or, you know, 1,300 retweets and likes. And it just drives me insane. When I published my Final Gate review, I was going back and forth between. When I ended up using that phenomenal photo of Madoka Kakuta and Shingo Takagi, which, uh, you know, just uh, marvelous work by the uh, the Pro Wrestling Illustrated team of, of all teams there to capture that photo, or the photo of the four dragons, because I thought, you know, God damn it, people might click on this more if they see Ultimo Dragon. That That is a constant battle. The reason, this was a long-winded way of saying, if Trangate can get a New Japan wrestler on their roster, which again just territory that has never, you know, Dragon has never embarked on this territory. That is something that would turn heads. And I think you would at least begin to have people ask that question of what's Dragon? How can I watch it? Who are the guys? Show would get the ball rolling for the English speaking audience, I think. 
Yeah, and I'll part the curtain a little bit. There was when Shingo showed up on December 6th. I found a way for a YouTube clip that would have something with Shingo in it so I could make sure Shingo was in that clip, even though that was not the prime focus there, because those are the kind of things, you know? Completely. So, yeah, it's something that I think that I... If I'm thinking about this, like, purely, like, do I think show would be an active positive? Yes. Is going and getting show the thing I would be doing if I was general manager Rio Saito or President Torukido? I don't think so, but we'll we'll see. Hey, look, it's a drastic move for Dragon Gate. Again, they've never done anything like this where they've taken a wrestler of prominence from another promotion. It would also be a drastic move for a New Japan wrestler, a homegrown New Japan wrestler, to leave New Japan. The Voices of Wrestling Slack was going through this yesterday after this news report came out. And I think Yoshitatsu was the last name they came up with of somebody that that went from being contracted New Japan homegrown to leaving for another Japanese wrestling promotion. And even that was weird because Tatsu went New Japan... WWE, New Japan, All Japan. You have to go back to like maybe Kensuke Sasaki. I I don't know of another homegrown New Japan town that has left contracted for another Japanese wrestling promotion. It's like Sasaki or Kojima maybe, but it's not something that has happened certainly within the last decade, but perhaps not at all in the 21st century. Yeah, uh, Minoru Tanaka. Mm, Good pull. That's... Yeah, I, I mean, that was, the, that was the first one because you really then get, if you're talking about New Japan out, you are you could talk about washouts and maybe, you know, it was something that that uh, th- that could have happened with, I'm blanking on his name, bless his soul, the guy who passed away. I know who you mean, but I, I can't think of his name. Yeah, Katsuya Katsumura. Katsumura. Yeah, yeah Katsumura, like that, that would have been a thing if you want to count MMA too. Then yes, Katsumura is that, I think. So... It's interesting something to keep tabs on. Of course, Dragon Gate goes dark this week. They return on the 7th and the 8th to kick off their 2023. With the way the calendar is, that's actually a little bit earlier than usual. Usually they don't get going till about the 10th. But case they announced earlier today that the kickoff show on Saturday the 7th in Osaka, Edeon 2, it will be on the network. It will be a noise okay crowd. They have announced it about four days out. I am super excited. We don't have the card for this. I, I have a feeling as soon as we stop recording, that card's going to be announced. But it's Osaka, which is a building that I'm always partial to, that Osaka number two building. It's going to be a vocal crowd. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see what Dragon Gate does compared to Gleet in a few weeks because Gleet is running a vocal crowd at the end of the month. And I believe, I, I could be wrong, but I believe I saw something that tickets have moved very well for that show already. Which one makes sense for Gleet? That would be, I mean, big first time in Edeon 2 for them, right? Yes, I, I would have assumed that they would have made Kaito Ishida their world champion heading into that show, but <laughs> Gleet had other ideas. Boy, did they have other ideas, guys. Uh, I, 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 I gotta I, say, I, I have, uh, it has been a long time since I remember a show, that November Corkin show, which wasn't, like, that wasn't a train wreck. There was watchable stuff, but that just, it seemed like it turned so many people off from Gleet. 
it was so interesting to watch because like on the undercard was Bandito and Commander coming in and I love those guys. Not that they were great and I thought there was some decent stuff in the upper mid card. And then that main event just did not hit and it felt like it cooled off Ashita to a drastic degree and it cooled off the promotion to an even bigger degree. And, and then you double that up with the terrible idea. MMA. Like, oh my god, that's right. Oh, that that, that Soma Watanabe fight. I, I regretfully watched that. Was that and, the one versus Shrek? Didn't he have Shrek? I, I it was the one where the camera caught him throwing up immediately after the fight. I don't remember who he fought. It, it I, was just, I did not watch it. So it, I, I, I Mike, it was it was horrific. It, it was absolutely <laughs> awful. It it was the lowest of the low form of entertainment. I I don't know how anybody could watch that and enjoy it. And, you know, Watanabe was a guy who I, I had an asterisk next to is like, Hey, you know, that's a reason to watch Glee. You know, yes, I like Shima and Lindemann, but I'm intrigued by the, the, for lack of a better term, homegrown guys there. And he was one of them that I, I really enjoyed Tetsuya Azuchi being another one. And they both got punked out on that show. And it, I have such little interest in watching them going forward. You, you know, case I watched the entire Glee show. I did all four hours of it and the he, MMA he, show. Oh, oh, not the MMA show. I'm talking about Gleet four, the one from Tokyo city hall. Oh, Oh, thank God. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Nah, God. And, and like the thing that was that I found myself was I, I figured out who my homegrown guy is and how infuriating it is going to be a fan of him. Is that check? I, I, we already know. I love check, but like that's already done. Check's perfect in every way. Uh, no notes there. Uh, Takanorito. Oh yeah! Again, I like Ito. Get a fucking good roster. Yeah, I like Ito, and I loved like like out of the UWF stuff that they did there. The whole thing of like oh, telling this this story throughout the rules. Like the story of the match was that Aoki completely just had him in a few, had him in a huge league because because it's Shinya Aoki, and then Ito was able to like get a throw and then overwhelm him repeatedly going into the time limit. It looked like he was about to finish him off there, and then. Basically, if he had one more, if he had more time, he would have taken out Aoki there. And I was like, God damn, this was like a great story here. And then I was like, oh, wait, uh, Takanori Ito never wins. So why should I care? This is a roster with Ito, with Azuchi, with Jun Tancho, who I've been a fan of for years. Keiichi Saito. Saito, Czech Shimatani, who you and I were both just talking about. And now they've got these Black Generation guys and with Flamita and Yutani. There is no reason. Forget the Stronghearts guys in Ishida. That core alone, this promotion should be, I will say, more entertaining than they are. And I, I've really enjoyed some Gleet stuff this year. I mean, to me, Al Lindemann was a top 10 wrestler in the world this year, and it was partially his work in the Super Juniors tournament, but it was mostly just the high-end Gleet stuff that he did. There is something off, and I... I, I I don't know what it is, but it's a bummer because I really I want to like this promotion. Cosmically, there's just a lot that like whenever like I watch it and it's like, oh, you have okay, you have like the 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 fourth and fifth least per important people of LIJ here, but you're still only getting a thousand people, and um, <laughs> and it's one of those things that you're just like, okay, like, and I'm happy, of course, I don't keep track of it for the Dragon System guys, of course, but like you kind of like take the step back after the show and you're like, oh. It was a great thing that there was a filter from 2004 to 2018 because now that I see what unfilter is, it makes sense the way it, it went out went down that way. 
Like, like this is Shimaism through and through. Even the even like the the Ledet UWF stuff had t- had like fingerprints of Shima on it. I felt like it's it's such a weird promotion. It it really goes against the idea that wrestling should be a variety show because I have a hard time believing that the same people that are sitting down and watching Minoru Tanaka versus Rioni Fujiwara are Which also. Ruled? Which ruled? Okay, I'll take your word for it. I'm not going to sit down and watch that. But because why would I be interested in that when I have Jack Cartwheel, Septimo Dragon, and Soma Watanabe versus Jun Tancho, Kichi Sato, and Gringo Loco? That match sounds fucking awesome. And I have not watched the show yet, but I'm going to. I'm excited for that. The the UWF stuff mixed with Lucharesu just... It, it's off-putting. I want one or the other, and I really want them to lean more into a Jack Cartwheel type more so than a Minoru Tanaka type, and I know that is sacrilege to most people listening, but that's how I feel. No, that's entirely fair. That's just, entirely I can fair. I can watch faux MMA in Noah for the most part, but I there's not a secondary junior heavyweight promotion in Japan right now, which I think is bizarre. You know, Osaka Pro is alive but not relevant. Michinoku Pro is barely alive and not relevant. And there's nothing filling that gap. But on top of the fact that I've I've said this really for a few years now, the junior heavyweight scene across Japan has never been weaker. So it seems like there would be an opportunity for Gleet to carve their own niche. And maybe it's just that, you know, strong hearts, despite the fact that they've drawn everywhere they've gone, maybe there is just a larger audience that is turned off by them. Kaito Ishida seemed white hot at the beginning, and he has drastically cooled off. Which, by the way, how was Lindemann versus Ishida? I went four and a quarter. Interesting. I, I'm excited to watch that, but I've heard zero people talk about that match. I, it's, uh, without spoiling, uh, whatever you think a longer uh, El Lindemann and Ishida match is without being a match of the year contender. There, 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 there was no even an inkling of me putting the watch out there. It, it was what you expect. It was very good. Okay, that's I, I, I want that. I want a, I want Ashida versus Lindemann to look and feel like Ashida versus Lindemann. So again, I'm excited. I, I think there's going to be stuff on this show that I like. I'm going to skip past Shima versus the Pizza Man, but I think there's going to yeah. be there's going to be stuff on this show that I like. It's just it, Gleed is is missing something by trying to be everything. I think. Do you want to know like what encapsulates this perfectly, Case? Please. So on the show, you have Ishida's army. I'm just gonna. Call, there's a reason I'm gonna call it Ishida's army, Case. Here, and they had, they were in three separate matches. They call them several separate things throughout the show. <laughs> Not, uh, the only time they refer to it as Black Generation, which I do believe, and Kaito Ishida wears Black Generation gear everywhere, is the unit's name. They, they refer to it as Ishida Gun in the main event. They refer to it as Ishida Gun when it's quite Storm versus Harley Jackson, which woo, Shimaism right there. And they refer to it as Black Generation in the three-way tag. That's bizarre. Yeah. I, I mean, that encapsulates the experience perfectly in my mind. Mike, we've talked about 2023 Dragon Gate. We've talked about Gleet unexpectedly. We've talked about Gabe Sapolsky unexpectedly. Before we put a bow, on 2022 with year-end awards i have a pop quiz for you that's dragon gate related all right man i need the confidence boost after a five-star match game loosely my inspiration here thank you joe gagney for listening and and also having us on five-star match game with alan forel a few weeks ago i cannot recommend it enough if you have not heard it i have five 
Drangate questions for you, all relating to 2022 Drangate. I will tell you up top, I thought of these questions, but for most of these, I would not know the answers. There's two here that I think are incredibly difficult. Are you ready? You know, I, I'm i ready, and unlike Five Star Match Game, I'm not going to come out here false bravado. I'm interested in seeing how you're going to try to stop me. Let's go. Okay. All right. First one, I think this is a bit of an easy one. Mochizuki Jr., had two other ring names in 2022. What were they? Uh, Masaharu Eto and Ryoto Mochizuki. Well done. All right. Question number two. Who was forced to withdraw from King of Gate after suffering a concussion at the hands or rather the feet of BB Hulk? Jason Lee. My hot take there is that that was a fake injury and that Jason Lee uh, sold it beautifully and was never heard. I think that was the plan all along. You know, when I was putting together my year-end review stuff, it makes... I, I, I buy that now. It all... It, look, maybe BB Hulk kicked his head off. It all just made too much... It all made too much sense at the end of the day. I just... I, I think it was Drangy doing a phenomenal job of pulling the wool over eyes there. All right, you're two for two. Question number three. I think this is where the, the difficulty is going to ramp up a little bit. Shingo was not the only dojo graduate to return on a Drangate proper show this year. Which Drangate wrestler, I'm sorry, which dojo graduate rather, wrestled their first match for Drangate in three years on May 23rd of this year? Now, Casey, you you gave a couple of hints here about Mm -hmm. this. In this, you said three years, which is Mm -hmm. very important here because that immediately disqualifies like your uh it, it disqualifies people like Kenichiro Rai. Yep. Disqualifies people like even uh uh Tetsuya Sugawara disqualifies him. And now they actually make and most importantly so that is not Torimon Reunion Volume Two. Yes. And that is the thing that makes it difficult. Uh trueborn. Dojo graduate, yes. Can I have the dojo clap? I think that would give it away. That's fair. That's fair. I respect that. Well, it's not Yohei. Like, not Yohei. Uh, Yohei yeah. only wrestled on the Drangate Noah crossover show this year. He did not wrestle on a Drangate proper show. Which, and by the way, I'll give you time to stall and think for a second. Because I have to point out, I really liked the Yohei and KZ versus Eita and Ogawa match on the Noah show. And as I was watching it, I was legitimately on my couch laughing to myself, thinking about the grumpy old businessman that bought a ticket to see Muda versus Nakamura. <laughs> and third from the top, they had to watch this junior tag spot fest. Yeah. Uh, it, Katsuo, a.k.a. Yukiono. Well done. It was Katsuo. He uh, appeared on the May 23rd King of Gate show in his hometown. He teamed with Takashi Yoshida and Ultimo Dragon to wrestle Don Fuji, Problem Dragon, and Susumu Mochizuki. Oh, okay, Case. Uh, I'm I'm calling a shot here. Okay. Here, that was May 23rd. That was right after the Hokkaido triple shot. Indeed, it was at, in a Hakodate. Is, uh, That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I, I was going to say it was Hakodate. I knew that. God. Okay. All right, you're three for three. These next two fall into the listum and learnum category or whatever it is that Gagney calls that. 
Yep. Th this is going to take a second. I'm going to give you time for these because I'm going to be really impressed if you can get them. Question number four. Between the Ultimo Dragon 35th anniversary show and Kobe World Pro Wrestling Festival this year, 10 outsiders appeared on those shows. This does not include Peros Del Mal de Japon. I'm going to include Super Crazy in that mix who had profiles on the Dragon Gate website. There were 10 wrestlers that appeared on these shows that did not have profiles on the Dragon Gate website. I need you to name all 10. All right. So, two easy ones straight off the bat. El Hijo de Santo and Masayo Tanaka. One and two. Okay, that's funny you lumped Tanaka in there because the inspiration for this question was seeing Masato Tanaka's name on this Ultimo Dragon show and having yeah. zero memory of that. Yeah, the, and if I was right, that was Dragon Kid's 25th anniversary match. Yes. God, I hate the way my brain works. <laughs> I, I th this 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 entire game came about because I I'm writing something for Voice of Wrestling right now, and I was looking back at that Ultimo uh, card, and I saw Masato Tanaka there, and I was like, "Holy shit! I I have zero memory of this." Right, uh, Kiji Muto. Yep. So that's that. That's three of ten. And, and, and like the thing is, in case I, I as a gentleman of honor, I only have like my. The only page I've open on my desktop has the top ten matches of the year, and none of them involve these outsiders. No, 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 no. You're you're no, safe there. No. Yeah, no, no, I'm not safe there because I was hoping that I could name more than the three big ones. God, uh, uh, oh yeah, uh, was uh, great Sasuke. Sasuke was on Kobe World Pro Wrestling Festival this year. And if Great Sasuke was there, that means that Jensei Senzaki was probably there, too. He was on the show the night before. He was in the Kagatora anniversary match, I believe. Was uh, uh, Taro Nohashi, Shinjutsu, uh, Taro Nohashi, a.k.a. Uh, I think that, that's Kochiro Arai on the show. Taro Nohashi was on these shows. You are halfway there. Hey, I got a D on this already. I'm at 60%. All right. Now this is where it gets really hard. You're actually you're 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 six of ten. You're a little more than halfway. Yeah, but uh, but sixty is a right, D. So, yes, nevertheless. Yeah. All right. Yeah, uh, D's for diploma. Okay, uh, let's go. I have six of ten. I've already named Masa uh, Masato Tanaka, El Hio Dos Santo, the Great Sasuke, uh, now uh, Taro Nohashi, Senjutsu Nohashi, and who was the sixth one that I I had? Okay, so uh, that's it. You have, I've got Jensei Shinzaki, Taro Nohashi, Masato Tanaka, Keiji Muto, Santo, and Sasuke. Keiji Muto. Yep. Muto is the six. Okay. Now, the, the thing is I'm trying to put together, like, because most of them are popping up, as you would guess, in the anniversary matches. I'm trying to remember Kakatora's anniversary match, who he had there. I don't think we had any more Michinoku Pro popping up. I, I'm going to bow out here on this. I I, I could stammer and stall for, and be like Alan, but I'm not going to. <laughs> All right, Mike. The four names that you missed. I think there, there's there's one of them in here that you should have gotten. Okay. And I, I, I'm actually one, one or two. Toru Washi. Yeah, I should have got that one. Yeah. Yep. He yeah. was in the Kagatora match. It was Jensei Shinzaki, Kagatora, and Taro Nohashi versus Don Fuji, Shuji Kondo, and Toru Awashi. Yeah. Two names that you missed on the opening night, the Ultimo Dragon Show. They teamed together with your boy, Kenichiro. Oh, the bodyguard. Rai. The bodyguard, bodyguard was there. The bodyguard, yeah. and who did he team with? 
He teamed with, it was the bodyguard, Kenichiro Rai, and a friend of the show. Oh, Gherkin Mask? Gherkin Mask. All right. That's everybody on the Ultimo show. There is one name. I will give you five of these six participants in this match. I don't think you'll get this. If you do, I'll, I'll be very impressed. Match number two on Kobe World 2022. Okay. Genki, Genki Horiguchi, Ryo Saito, and Yasushi Kanda versus Sachihoko right. Machine, Konomami Chikawa, and X. And X is not Satoshi Kojima. Gosh. Who was X here? Uh, it wasn't Yosuke, was it? It was not Yosuke. Okay. Roster member or not? Not a roster member. Uh, somebody that trained in the Dragon system, but was not a Dragon Gate wrestler. First appeared, uh, looks like one match in 2017, and then worked the first Torimon reunion show and the second Torimon reunion show. Well, it's not Hisamaru Tajima. No, nope. that for sure. I of wish course it was. not. <laughs> uh, I, I come, on, was. come on now. <laughs> come on. Come on. Ah, uh, geez. I uh, worked in 2017, worked in, did not work the 20th anniversary match. Correct. Interesting. Uh, Takuya Sugawara. No, it was a, a Torimon X name, a comedy wrestler, and Kanjuro Matsuyama. Oh, yeah. Matsuyama. I, I, I can't say him. No, that that would have been that would have been incredible. So the ten outsiders on these two shows were Garukin Mask, Bodyguard, Jen Shinsaki, Toru Nohashi, Toru Washi, Masato Tanaka, Keiji Muto, El Hio Del Santo, Kenji Matsuyama, and the great Sasuke. You had six out of ten. I am still impressed. Mike, your final question. It's going to be another list. Okay. There were nine open the Triangle Gate Championship teams this year. I need you to name all nine. Fuck you. Just first <laughs> off. Just first off. Just off the bat. Come on, man. Fuck you. Okay. All right. Okay. So it started off with a... Well, it started off with a masquerade team. Yep. It was Kodaman, Nora, Jason Lee, and Shun Skywalker. Put it on the board. Then, then it was Ata Ishida, Hyo. Nailed it. Then it was a... Then it was Vacated. Yep. And then it was Natural Vibes, KZ, and Young Vibes. Which would yes, be UT and yeah, Jackie K- Kung Kamei. UT, and Kamei. Then it was original gold class. So yes. Doi, Minora, and Ishida. By the then way, it, already doing better than I thought you would. Keep going. Then it was uh, then it was Peros from yep. there. And then it went from Peros to M3K. Negative. Oh, there was a bounce back, and then a bounce back to Paros. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, in, in, you, oh yeah, you there were was going... that. That was that Noah's trios team. Fuck that. Fuck you. That. This This question because... was designed for whoever did it to trip up on the fact that Paros did a quickie change to like the to like Stinger. Fuck that. Okay. okay. So you you've got. <laughs> did I guess the unit somehow? You you. It, you nailed Stinger. It's terrifying. So, <laughs> so you got one, two, three, four. You got the first five in order. M3K is correct. Let me give you who's the current Triangle Gate champions. Yeah, the current Triangle Gate champions are uh, Zebra, it's Kai, Ishan, and Shin Skywalker. That's seven of the nine. There are two Noah trios teams. Yeah, one, tell one, me them. One, one, one of whom was Stinger. 
Can you take a guess at who in the year of our Lord 2022 was in the unit Stinger? Okay. Well, Ogawa. Yep. Uh, Katoge? Not Katoge. This, this trio, by the way, held the title for one day. All right. Uh, <laughs> The, fa- the, the fact that I, I named one member of Stinger and it, w- and it was the one that it had to be a member of because they're not going to put the belt on just three complete scrubs. Yeah. Okay. T- tell me these. I- I'm actually getting mad at you for this question. <laughs> it was Ogawa, Seki Yoshioka, and Yuya Susumu. And they lost the titles to Atsushi Katoge, Daisuke Harada, and Yohei. Oh, so it's almost like a mini blood and guts right there. <laughs> that's uh, that's one way of putting it. So in order, the I, I, I mean, Champions that was literally what the team was called before it became like Seskin no Momo. No Momo. Is it, was it? Oh, I don't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that group was called Blood and Guts. I'm unaware. Uh, I, I thought you were making an off-color Yohei joke. For once, I'm not making a comment. <laughs> For once. So, in order, the Triangle Gate champions this year, and nobody covered the uh, nobody covered the Triangle Gate situation as correctly as I did specifically. With all due respect to Mike, I i had the he, pulse he, red this whole entire exercise was was for you to take this victory lap this 20 minute victory lap on nailing the triangle gate this year Here, welcome to 2023 everyone here's the thing i have an article coming to VoicesOfWrestling.com. i believe it's going to be up on friday i'm just about done with it i am going through the highs and lows of dragon in 2022 it's one of the longest things i've ever written for the site because it's a bunch of mini articles in one i go through Dave's egregious reporting of the Nozawa booking Drangate saga. It is worse than I thought. I actually, yeah. here's, here's what happened. I this thought is, so I was go- justified about how mad I was completely because here's the yeah, thing. I thought I was going to go like between the sheet style and go like observer to observer to observer and highlight all of these different Dave things. And by the time I got to the third Nozawa is booking Dragon Gate section, I could not read it anymore. It was enraging as to how wrong Dave was on some of the stuff in the moment and how, especially with almost a year of hindsight, just utterly ridiculous and time-wasting this entire thing has been. The thing that gets under my skin more than any of it is this idea that, so in the semifinals, or I'm sorry, in the quarterfinals of King of Gate, Shuji Kondo beat Kaito Ishida. And Dave notes in The Observer, well, that was clearly a last-minute booking change by Nozawa, which is absurd when you think about how before any of the Dave Nozawa's booking Drangate stuff came to be, because that was reported at the end of May, right, May 11th. Yeah, uh, be- yeah before, this was well before after any of this stuff came out. Get case I'm about to explode. This is well after uh, Kai lost in forty in like thirty seconds. Uh, Thank you to Shuji Kondo. Sorry, on, I was about to explode shouting that out. No, it's okay. May eleventh. Kondo beats Kai in 40 seconds, and I think it's like May 30th that Observer comes out where Dave first mentions that Nozawa is booking Dragon Gate. So I go through the early stages of that and then highlight some of the other absurdities. I mean, Dave talks about Kendo Kashin coming to Dragon Gate booking meetings, which is just I, – I, I wasn't in the room, but I promise you that's not true. Uh, there's yeah. a bunch of stuff in there that is utterly absurd. For the first time, I believe in any sort of public setting, I am going to include – the fake email that was going around, which led to this story becoming a story and the basic 
I think journalist is a gross word, but the basic journalistic work that Dave could have done, that Brian Alvarez oh, could oh, have done, and for as oh, much oh, as no, I like this him, was that, journalism. That, that, this was journalistic process that did not happen with this. That, that Dave, Brian Alvarez, and Mike Sempervivi all blew to a gross degree the easy things they could have done to prevent this entire mess. That is all going to be included in this article. There's also there's a bunch of fun stuff in there. There's my uh, matches of the year that are available on Dragon Gate Network. I've got a top 10 list of the best YouTube matches from this year that you can go watch at any time for free. There's a bunch of good stuff in there. I'm happy with the writing that I've done, but I've gone in detail on, the, on this Nozawa saga for the first time in writing and l- let the record show that on this podcast, I very quickly snuffed out what they were doing. The only thing I got wrong this entire time, this Triangle Gate saga, was I thought the bouncing around would end with gold class because you got to remember masquerade one defense or sorry, no defenses, red, no defenses, natural vibes, no defenses. I thought gold class would be the ones to have a prolonged reign. And then once Paros beat them in their first defense, I realized, Oh no, there's something bigger coming down the line. We just don't know what it is. Those guys will have the prolonged reign. That's exactly what happened when M3K came aboard. I said, as soon as they debuted, those guys are going to win the triangle gate belts at Kobe world and have a long title run. That's exactly what happened. And I just, I, you know, look, my finger was on the pulse this year and other people blew it. That's what it comes down to. And it's not, it's not an arrogant victory lap to take, but as news continues to swirl out of Japan, and we see some people with their finger on the pulse and some people without it, just remember that when it comes to this podcast and what we cover. Yep. And you can check the tapes. I, I I'm glad I didn't know until case was like, Hey Mike, can you go through these things that, the the email so the, the the there's vegetables and uh and desserts in this article it's going to rock look I, I i will say this uh not every not every journalist blew this nozawa story jo- joe lanza yeah, was true. very joe lanza was very forward in saying that nozawa strictly was not booking Drangate. i personally might disagree on on where we lie on nozawa's influence in june mm-hmm. july and august but that is uh, not an argument that is worth getting into because it's clear that uh, that is that is past us now but there are other wrestling reporters that got this story and that that took a look at this and said nope that doesn't make any sense people that that quite frankly shouldn't know better and that they did so yeah, it wasn't yeah, the, it wasn't across the board that everybody made a mistake but it was a bad look uh from certain people that should know better yeah and the, i'll ask you that question off air that i was about to ask okay so, but All uh right. it, it, it's going to be something worth checking out even if you're not interested in journalistic legwork there is a lot of awesome stuff there but case you mentioned this article as a way i like the little segue here let's reminisce on last year let's talk about 2022 finally with some ulties yeah so thank you to everybody that responded in the voices of wrestling discord i threw out five categories i asked everybody give me your number one and give me your number two and what i have done i have tabulated all of those votes First place votes worth three points. Second place votes worth one point. Mike, I do not know who you voted for, but I'm going to tell you right now, some of these categories are dangerously close. It's This is going to involve me doing math on the fly, which is very dangerous, but we're going to go through one by one. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you who you voted for. I'm going to tell you my vote, and then we are going to find out who won MVP, match of the year, show of the year, unit of the year, and rookie of the year. And we are going to start with rookie of the year. Mike, who did you vote for in second? Who did you vote for in first? So 
before I say this, I voted for Takuma Fujiwara last year. So wow, that I, he was ineligible for this year. And to be honest, I only want to talk about 2022 guys. So my number two was Kaito Nagano. My number one was Mochizuki Jr. Fast. Oh my goodness. Okay. All right. Did I already shake things up here? I mean, just, this is what happened. No, just a fascinating turn of events because I, I voted for guys that debuted in 2021. This, uh, this is this is very interesting. So going into our our final results here, okay. not counting not counting your vote, not counting my vote. It was 16 points for Fujiwara, 16 points for Minorita, two for Mochizuki Jr. And two for Ishan. Take on your three for Mochizuki Jr. That is five points for him. You're the only person to vote for Nagano. I would expect you to vote for him again next year. I voted Ishan in second place, Takuma Fujiwara in first place. He is going to narrowly edge out Minorita for our Ulti Awards 2022 Rookie of the Year. It is Takuma Fujiwara. Hey, I mean, different strategies, different philosophies i think but i i mean he deserves it regardless so yeah before before we go any further does the on the fly math that that i just did does that make sense could you follow what i was doing in terms of deciding a winner oh sure your logic is sound okay i just want to be sure that at least one person can follow this mike before we move on Let's wax poetically about Takuma Fujiwara for a second. I will go first. I voted for him Rookie of the Year. I think what we have seen from late November of last year, you got to remember, he debuted at the end of November. I think it was November 28th, maybe. It was was really late in the month. What we have seen since then is one of the single greatest rookie years in the history of professional wrestling. It should be mentioned alongside Kurt Angle and Jun Akiyama. For a long time, Matt Riddle's name was in that discussion. Whoever it is, 12 months into wrestling that you want to talk about, Takuma Fujiwara's name needs to be right next to them. There's the obvious high points. There's the Diamante match. There's the Dragon Daya match. There's the SB Kento match from a house show that I think is super underrated. And there is the Ishinihashi match from King of Gate. Whether you want to talk about the great matches or you want to talk about the fact that this man went to Mexico in June and, in my opinion, seamlessly transitioned from the first match onward, looked like a seasoned luchador, somebody that could play to the crowd, somebody that could do the basics, somebody that could excel when he was actually wrestling against people that were worth a damn. Takuma Fujiwara blew me away time after time this year. He is a marvelous professional wrestler who I think is going to lead this company into the future. And his rookie year was one of the best I've ever seen. Yeah, it's something that it became very clear very, very quickly how incredible and special Takuma Fujiwara was. And I mean, broke scales, broke uh Broke even in the most forward-thinking wrestling promotion in the world currently. Broke what they thought that a 19- to 20-year-old could do within the, his first three months of professional wrestling. Like that's, that's the wild thing, is that for most parts, if you want to like take a look at like how wrestling is in like someone's like first year, his development got, went completely astray after he left Japan and been fend for himself, but everything you see of him in Mexico and you're like, Oh no, he's learning more. It's getting even more. He's getting even more better. And like the only thing that 
really frustrates me about the whole entire uh, exercise is that not enough people are getting to experience this in real time, you know, because this is special. This is something that, I mean, you listed off the people that you should be regarded by. And I said this, I, I said this earlier in 2022, the thing about like, out of those people you mentioned, at least for international fans, like you and Akiyama, were you n- not watching wrestling in 1992? For one, and then two, the way that wrestling, uh, the way wrestling spread com- was completely different then. We get to watch Takuma Fujiwara progress and discover things as a 20-year-old pro wrestler in real time, and that's really awesome. The word that friend of the show Alan Forel put in my head that I, I think is worth mentioning time and time again when it comes to Fujiwara, and you'll see this, I was hoping the SFM 50 would be out by this recording it's not and i don't know what the holdup is but one of the things that the you know I, I there's a takuma fujiwara blurb let's just say that whether he finished in the top 50 or an honorable mention i will wait uh, until everybody finds out to reveal that but there's a takuma fujiwara blurb that i wrote and and alan very astutely sent me a dm and said this is great can i add something about how confident of a wrestler he is at 20 years old and that that is exactly what it is Fujiwara, whether he's working as an underdog babyface in Dragon Gate, as a lost in the wilderness foreigner on a you know a lucha show in in a tent, essentially. I apologize if that sounds derogatory, but some of the shows that Fujiwara worked were not far off from that. Or if he's working as a heel alongside SB Kento in Mexico, there is nothing that he has done that he hasn't approached with supreme confidence, and nothing that he has done that hasn't been executed to a flawless degree. He he is seasoned like a 12-year pro. I mean, he he wrestles like somebody that is in the prime of their career that has figured out both the mental and the physical aspects of wrestling and has combined them. That is normally something that takes a decade, and I don't feel like I'm being hyperbolic when I say that at least on some level, Fujiwara is so much more advanced than even a Minorita or an Ishin or a Mochizuki Jr., people that we all think very highly of, Fujiwara, I just think, is so far ahead of them. And when he comes back, I mean, you got to remember, he's in Mexico because he's stuck in Mexico. He can't get to the United States because when they put together these visas, this is something they started working on last summer. Fujiwara had not debuted when this process started. And I can't help but think about the fact that when Yuki Yoshioka our current Dreamgate champion, went to Mexico. They, it, it, he was told, just go away for a little bit. Be out of sight, out of mind. Get out of here. So when you come back, and it wasn't the Inferno, but when it was Yuki Yoshioka himself, he could be a big deal. And I feel that even at, at 20 years old, soon to be 21, that same thing will be applicable for Fujiwara. Yeah, it, it's something that the world would be in the palm of his hands is just wondering when it happens. It, like, that's the thing when it really boils down to it, right? Like, it it's something that it doesn't seem like that he is, like, selectively mute. So I think he'll be fine, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, it, 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 he has such, like, just, like, a natural ability alone is insane. And and any promotion, you look at him like a major star, but you put him in a promotion that's, like, geared towards that and the sky's the limit i mean it look if you have any reservations about his future look at the look at the respect that he was treated with when he came back in november singles match with ata 
featured tag in Corkin, featured tag on the Noah Drangate show. Look, with all due respect, La Estrella is not getting that, okay? It's just not happening. This is a, a world that Takuma Fujiwara is soon going to have in the palm of his hands. His rookie year, it just, it's just something to behold. It, it was really, really special, and I'm glad that uh, certain people were paying attention and got to witness it in real time. I, I know a decade from now, I'm going to be very happy that I was here watching all of the house show matches, all of the network uploads, and all the stuff from Mexico that I can find, because it, this is something that could go down as a historically great year. Absolutely. So, what's the next category? Well, hold on, real quick. Uh, Minarita finishes second. There was a big late stage push, and rightfully so, for Minarita to mm-hmm. win Rookie of the Year. This is something Jay has been actively pushing on commentary. I firmly respect his reasoning. I think Minarita has done a magnificent job in Gold Class, uh, pushing that gimmick far beyond what I think anybody thought was possible in March when he debuted. It is just a matter of some people preferred Fujiwara, and at least in my case, I I preferred Ishin as well. You know, Ishin debuted in September of last year. I think I voted for him as my runner-up last year. I'm going to vote for him again as my runner-up this year because most of this year was still him being treated as a rookie, and it was September about when he debuted last year, September of this year, a year into his career, where he started to get taken seriously. And I've been so impressed by the second stage of Ishin's career that I felt like he deserved a little bit of love here. Yeah, no, absolutely so. It's something that, I mean, for someone who had a gimmick that was so attached to his brother, it could have gone very astray, but seeing how he has taken everything with him as Ishan has been really exciting has been one of the really cool things. Did I have Ishan on my I actually voted for Australia last year, second place. Yeah. Oh, how has the year changed? You know, we were talking about Australia off the air, and I want to pull up our DMs here real quick because there were two screenshots that really uh, caught my caught my attention on La Estrella's Instagram. I want to see if I can find them real quick. Yes, there is a a post from Estrella on New Year's Eve where the English translation uh, roughly comes out to, and I quote, 2023, let's go for more. I have no intention of going back to Japan. 2022 has been a great year, end quote. And we can double that up with something that he posted today on his Instagram story, which said, and this was in English, no translation needed. Hello, I am available in Los Angeles between March 26th and April 1st. Please DM me. Mike, this goes to something I was talking about a few weeks ago. I'm not sure there's a route for Australia to go back home. I I think he is really possibly going to be an international traveler, maybe Ultimo's designated North American opponent. I I would be a little bit surprised if we see him in a Dragon Gate ring in 2023. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think that's good for him to be honest. It, it, it seems like that maybe he comes back late 2023, but I, I think for him, you know, being able to, have kind of an open-ended thing and work your way back here. I think that's probably for the best. And it doesn't seem, and I could be wrong, and I can certainly try to get a read on this, it doesn't seem like a deal where it has been malicious on either side. I mean, look, Estrella, I think everybody agreed, needed seasoning, needed polish. So he went to Mexico, which I think everybody agreed from from Drangit themselves to you and I, to to the people listening, hey, that was probably going to be a really good good move for him. They sent him to North America and said, figure it out. And to Estrella's credit, 
I know this from people that I have talked to. He has grinded for bookings. This guy wants to work everywhere. He showed up in WXW a few weeks ago, which is insane. I don't think anybody had that on their bingo card for the end of 2022. This is a guy who I could be wrong. This is pure speculation, but he seems to be enjoying himself, the life that he's living between Mexico and Florida, and now it's going to be Los Angeles for a week. And look, as crazy as it sounds, Drangit has already passed him by a little bit. What does what does La Estrella offer that Kaito Nagano can't do? You know what I mean? If he comes back to the promotion, yeah. he is going to very quickly be swallowed up and be back on undercards. He's more than welcome back. I would be happy to see him back. But this isn't a need in the same way that an SB Kento or a Takuma Fujiwara or my man, and I'm claiming this early, I'm buying all the stock that's available, my man Takuma Nishikawa. These guys are going to come back to Japan. They're going to be big deals. I don't think anybody has that feeling about La Australia. Yeah, and you know, man, there's someone that they basically sent and said, oh, there's no return ticket. Uh, we'll see you. And he ended up with a WWE contract after that. So it could work out. And I, I you know, look, th- think about that. That's a good point. And you're, you're referring to Tozawa there for anybody that didn't connect the dots because it took me a second. But how great would Australia be on like NXT level up or NXT Womp? There it is. He he is. This this is gonna sound fucked up, but I promise I'm only using WWE verbiage. You can't get mad at me. La Australia might be the Mexican superstar that they've been looking for. <laughs> you know I what I mean? See. Because no, like, no, 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 no. I exactly see. Why do you think I said? Oh, he's the one I want to put in MLW of everyone. Uh, yeah, like. Joe Lanza yeah. made a great point when he was he was doing some some write-ups on Fujiwara and Estrella excursion matches pretty early on in their time in Mexico, where Fujiwara would be the heel and Estrella would be on the babyface team, and it was just like, oh yeah, these people probably think that Estrella is Mexican. It, it's just it's one of those deals where his the the special moves that he does that might be clunky or might be mistimed in Drangate would blow people's minds in NXT. Oh yeah, no, it, it it's something that also I think like s- certain styles, you know, just don't always mesh the way you hope they do. So you know, him working that style, I think it makes sense to me. I it, I, I buy that. I mean, we've I believe we've talked about it on the show before. If not, I'm I'm sure I've said this publicly at some point, but I I spoke to somebody who was aware of Estrella when he was a trainee. And then I spoke to that person after Estrella had debuted, and this person's mind was blown at the fact that they made him a high flyer. This is an Ultimo Dragon vision, an Ultimo Dragon gimmick, and there are people that were stunned when they said, wait, they want this kid to be the high flyer? And I think Estrella has made the best of that, but having that information, that's all I think about whenever I see him wrestle. Yeah, no, it definitely is something. You're like, oh, yeah. Now, definitely, yeah, that makes sense there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Let's go to unit of the year, Mike. Your second place vote was? My second place vote was Zebrats. Your first place vote? Natural Vibes. The biggest win and this entire deal, finishing with 30 points, nearly a unanimous sweep. Only two people did not vote Natural Vibes in first place, and those two people did not have Natural Vibes on their ballot at all. Natural Vibes is our unit of the year. Zebrant is going to narrowly edge out D-Courage for second with D-Courage in third, and then both M3K and Gold Class both got a vote. Mike, what made Natural Vibes so clearly the unit of the year this year? I mean, well, first and foremost, this is the weakest like unit uh, unit battlefield, I would say, in recent memory in Dragon Gate because Gold Class... Votes for gold class, I interpret as, oh, I really like Benkei's character later on because there's no way you could defend I think gold. I think the person that voted for gold class specifically said that. There's a note in there of, like, the last two months of gold class. <laughs> Which I totally respect. I, I, I totally get that. And then high end, I mean, yep, yeah, no, high end's going to get dealt with next week. That's okay. Uh, it, it's interesting decourage. And I think decourage is, like, something that... I, I think we could say pretty plainly, D-Courage works with a native audience a lot better than it does international audience. I think it's fair to say, and a lot of that's probably Yuki Oshioka and the discourse around him. So that doesn't surprise me that it was so overwhelmingly natural vibes, then Z-Brats, and then M3K and D-Courage. Yeah, I... I it, it's... I, I don't think I agree with that statement that it's a weak unit battlefield, because... We all agree Natural Vibes is great. I think most people agree Zebrats is great. I, I Look, I think Zebrats is almost underrated historically at this point. Just through a year of Zebrats, what a phenomenal heal unit. Gold Class has been rough, but Gold Class is on fire right now. D-Courage is on fire right now. I personally love the work that M3K does. The blemish is high-end, and, and we're possibly a week away from getting rid of high-end, but I actually really like the unit landscape right now. I just... When you talk about 2022, you can't look at gold class as a positive unit. I, 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 I'm sorry. That, that's, that's, they, they spent more time being bad than being good. Right. Yeah. Like that's that's my point. Like yes. Like absolutely. And and I have made written and verbal mea culpas about Binke's personality. Like I I'm with you all on that. But it, that that's only a sixth of the year. There are some dreadful. And we talked about them on the show at the time. There are some dreadful gold class versus high end main events on these shows in May, June, and July. Just lifeless. Dire. Just, oh God, just no good whatsoever. Mm -hmm. D Courage is interesting because they have had so much singles success. Like Vibes works because it's, you know, Vibes tags, Vibes trios, Vibes eight mans. And D-Courage has had a lot of that. I mean, the, the specific trio of Kakuta, Daya, and Yoshioka is a guaranteed great match almost every time they go out there. But Yoshioka's had great singles matches. Daya's had great singles matches. Kakuta's had some sneaky great singles matches, mainly on the YouTube uploads. It, it's a team. They don't feel like a cohesive unit the way that Natural Vibes or Zebrats does, and that is why they got the edge there. But uh, there, there's three units in there. And then again, I love the work that M3K is doing. I think this was a positive year for units overall. Yeah, I mean, uh, how good's the heal unit? Zebrats is great. Like, uh, like I always say, like that's your real barometer. Yeah, absolutely. And and Zebrats has been great. I look forward to seeing what they're going to do 
in the new year. I have two predictions coming up that I am I'm very much excited to share. But before we get to that, Mike, a few more categories here, including show of the year. What was your second place vote? All right. So if my vote for if my votes for rookie of the year threw you off case, my show of the year votes are going to throw you off, too. So are you, are overall, you the, the, the dragon dragon produce show. No, but it's going to sound like this until I give my argument. OK, OK, so we close out the segment and we'll give our top matches of the year. When I did that, I don't keep like a spreadsheet spreadsheet. I have my notebook for notes or when we talk about it on the show and then. You know, sadly, then I need to have something to look at all my my notebook matches. So I plugged in all my notebook matches for the year case. And it mm-hmm. comes out to I had 77 matches ranked at above four stars or better. I, I, I cut it off there. But when I went down this list case, you know what date? There were two dates that had three four star matches on them. Was one of them either March 5th or March 6th? No, no, that uh that was third the champion gate was third champion i, I just i as i've gone throughout the uh, gone back and looked at the year i just have to note the champion gate shows this year were awesome oh yeah no three five was my last elimination case three five because i had the it, it just came out that way that one of the both of those ma- shows that had three four stars or better matches ended up being on my list my first one my show of the year the gate of destiny november 6th yeah like best big show just tremendous stuff here but the thing is is that my number two if i'm going with that that strategy is the ultimo 35th anniversary show on july 30th so what were your matches above four stars on that show my matches above four stars on that show so this is again july 30th it was the brave gate match uh the dragon die and hyo for in a quarter kai versus yuki oshioka for in a quarter and then Shumante versus Kung Fu Masters at five. That's right. You like that Daihyo match I really way did. more than everybody. Those, that makes sense. Um, no argument for me there. So Gate of Destiny was your show of the year? Yes. Okay, that was my show of the year as well. That was the consensus pick. That is going to finish with 22 overall points, with Dangerous Gate finishing second, Dead or Alive finishing third, and then votes for the Kness final show, Final Gate, the December 6th Cork and Hall show and my second place vote, which received one other vote. So I guess this would technically finish in fourth place. The first King of Gate show, May 11th in Cork and Hall. Yeah. Uh, Kness, like I did do a small show kind of thing and Kness would have been my small show of the year. That Kness show, that Kness show was special. And, you know, it's, you know, these little tidbits that I sometimes worry will get lost to history. The only thing that I would have changed about that Kinesh show is the fact that English commentary, uh, the equipment broke and Jay did not, I guess he got a call in the arena, but nobody heard him call the final match for his favorite wrestler of all time. And when I read that tweet that, you know, the equipment was broken and that his recording couldn't be salvaged, my heart sank. It was devastating to read. And it just took some of the fun out of that show, which all in all was a very, very fun show. Yeah, and if there's one thing that like I I I know that sometimes James' attitude, he's just like, yeah, it didn't happen, whatever. I really hope that they kind of, kind of try to find a way. I know the file's lost, but they they should. The network's always looking for more content. Get your boy a microphone and an iPad. And let him call Kness's final match. Just upload it as like a special director's cut. 
devastating. I, I was I was devastated when I read that. And I was I was watching it live kind of on and off. It was one of those deals where uh, I, I can no longer do this because I moved offices. But in my old office, I used to be able to watch normally the last two matches of a Corkin show while I was doing work. And it was awesome. And I, I can no longer do that. But it was one of those deals where I, I had a lot of things going on, but I was trying to give as much focus to that show as I could. And commentary kept on going in and out. And I, it's just, it was heartbreaking in the moment. And then to, to read that final tweet that was, you know, it's it's gone. Nobody can hear what I did. Uh, it's just absolutely devastating. But in terms of show of the year, Gate of Destiny, your runaway winner with Dangerous Gate and Dead or Alive coming in second and third respectively. And then a, a smattering of shows rounding out the list. Mike, let's go to match of the year. Your number two match of the year this year. We'll give our top 10 after this, let's say, but let's do our, well, how do you want to do this? That doesn't make any sense. On-air production meeting, how do you want to handle match of the year? Uh, let's do MVP and then let's do our top two and we'll, we could talk about our, we'll, we'll, our we'll, three Let's do ten. MVP and then we'll count down our top 10. How about that? Perfect. Let's go. All right. I thought I, I thought I had figured out how to do this show seamlessly and I, I failed. Anyways, Mike, second place in MVP this year in Drangate. Who was it? Shun Skywalker. First place. It is Yuki Yoshioka. How couldn't it be? Explain why Yoshioka gets the edge over Skywalker. I think that uh, just like it was Yuki Yoshioka's year for me. And it's something that I know you can compare and contrast with Joe. And I totally get Joe where Joe's coming from with that. But case, I did not have anyone in the King of Gate tournament have every match be a four-star match or better other than Yuki Yoshioka. And then you add in before that the the strict tag team work he was doing with, with D-Courage. Like, it was the, the three-way match at the second night of Champion Gate. I mean, just up and down. The D-Courage stuff was working from the first jump. Like, if this show, if somehow, I, I don't know always how they upload stuff back up the network. But a fun little number for folks to look at. January 22nd, 2022, D-Courage versus Kagatora Takuma Fujiwara. Four-star match there, just, just just as they were figuring things out there. And it just grew and grew, and you saw the confidence in the winter and spring go into King of Gate. And then King of Gate, he goes, had, he headlines with Yamato first night of King of Gate. And then later on, he has an excellent match of UT. He has the match of the tournament against Diamante. Uh, then... You move onwards for the semifinal against Shun Skywalker, four flat. And then the final, the good Kota Minonora match happened there. And I know I was a little bit higher there. And then him as champion, as we've been chronicling every week since September, business is up, fans are coming back. And it's to a position now that as much as our per as personal taste is like taken out there, like subjectively, th this was a one horse race. And it had to be Yuki Oshioka. I, I, I'm interested in seeing people's arguments for someone else as the Dragon Gate MVP because I think it's such a slam dunk that it's really seeing who has the second most, uh, who gets the most second place votes and picks up the spares to get second place overall. It has to be Yuki Oshioka. I am a firm believer that MVPs should be narrative awards, and you're exactly right. I have no argument. My votes were the same. Yoshioka first, Shun Skywalker second. I said all year, Shun Skywalker is the best wrestler in the world, not named Will Ospreay. And I think that is true as we sit here on January 3rd, you know, moments before Ospreay has 
a match with Kenny Omega where if it's not five stars, it's going to be a disappointment. Nobody is on Osprey's level, but I think Shun Skywalker is the closest there is to it. But this was Yuki Yoshioka's year. I referenced an article that I'm writing for Voices of Wrestling right now, and it, it opens with you know just the, the sheer fact that the first two Cork and Hall shows of 2022, Drangate made it very clear. This year is going to revolve around Yuki Yoshioka, and it's going to revolve around Dragon Daya. And for them to stick to that plan, because that plan worked so well, is a credit to those two guys. I wouldn't have changed a thing about Shun's year this year. Yoshioka, as an overall MVP candidate, being valuable to Drangate, however, it was Yoshioka's year. So Yoshioka is going to finish in first with 25 points. Shun Skywalker is going to finish in second with 18 points. My two other wrestlers received second place votes for MVP this year. They both received two votes. Take a guess as to who those wrestlers are. I, I think KZ is going to be a vote. KZ is one of them. You, you see, I entertained in my mind an argument for Kai for second place, but it was going to be Shun Skywalker, but I was thinking who else could have could have have been a Shun Skywalker was not in the company it would have had to have been Kai. So wonder if someone else thought that way too. So Kai. No, I love where your head is at, but KZ received two second place votes and Minorita received two second place votes. Your thoughts on that? I think that uh, I, I would love to see their justification. I, 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 and I don't mean that negatively whatsoever. I think that, that there probably is a argument to be made that the the term most valuable player definitely applies to Menorita in the back half of the year. So yeah, no, I, I, I could see it. I, I would like to know if that justification was there. You know, the thing with Casey, and it, it goes back to the narrative argument. I had 17 KZ matches this year at four stars or higher, which is the same as Yoshioka, uh, on, a, on a global scale, it is the same as Shun Skywalker. I had 16 Skywalker matches in Drangate, and then the Dragon Lee match from Mexico at four stars or higher. This is uh, even more impressive than Jackie, Funky, Kamei, or Diamante, or Dragon Daya, who I want to talk about in just a second. This was just not KZ's year, and I, I talked about this a few different times, of natural vibes as a unit was so good between Kamei and Jason, and everybody knows what I think of Jason, and then UT and Stronger Machine J coming in, and then you know Shimizu, Shimizu had a sneaky great year. Again, I I, I shouted from the rooftops when Shimizu was on. He is one of the best wrestlers in the world, and that is a term that is thrown around too often. But Shimizu does so many little things that I adore, and his big matches. I've got a handful of Shimizu matches at four and a half stars and a big one at four and a quarter as well. He is a big match guy. Natural Vibes altogether were so good that it, it kind of stole Casey's thunder this year. You know, I, I think six months removed when we're in June, I'm going to have a hard time remembering what Casey did this year, and it's because he was out of the spotlight for most of it, which is a, a weird thing to say as he just recently held three titles, but it, it's just, it, KZ was in a very uh, bizarre predicament this year where he was great, but the narrative did not support him. He got edged out by Skywalker and by Yoshioka, obviously. I, I struggled with listing just two. I, I, I almost wanted to give a tie to second place because I do think Dragon Daya 
deserves to be in the conversation. And if it wasn't for Yoshioka finishing his year as strongly as he did with the Mochizuki match in the Ben K match, I think there would have been an, an argument that if we're looking at, at Drangi from an in-ring perspective this year, forget drawing, forget main events, forget being a figurehead, just from, from an in-ring perspective, Skywalker was the best wrestler, and up until December, I think Dragon Daya was right behind him. And and I have accepted the fact that I am just higher on Dragon Daya than most people are, but this was a year where he really lived up to the potential of, of that Dragon name. He was a brilliant singles wrestler. He was a brilliant tag wrestler. He was a brilliant trios wrestler. This was the best year of his career. To me, he was a top 10 wrestler in the world this year. If we were doing our stock up, stock down category we did last year, my overall stock up was just decourage. <laughs> like, well, like when I look at my spreadsheet and w- with it, like Yoshioka is the person that has the most uh, appearances on it, but Daya is in the conversation right behind him, and it's something that if only Madoka Kakuda just immediately came in as the secret weapon at decourage, and we had seven months of him as that, then. W- you know, seven months of decourage uh, Kakuda is something that I really wish would have happened and not three months of aimless just filling out cards and then him and decourage. I completely agree. Let's do that real quick. I, I, I did not put this in the Discord poll, but Mike, you were stock up, stock down winners uh, and, and losers of Dragon Gate in 2022. Who are they? So stock up, as I said, decourage. All three of them. I mean, you go from Daya, who was the third generation dragon and probably had the ceiling that was kind of imposed by his size and by his mask, to being someone that I can't discount the idea that he's a few they could be a future Dreamgate champion. Uh Madoka Kakuda was someone that was not necessarily figuring into any future plans, and now he was in the ring for the first time in four years against Shingo Takagi and was part of the most important match. Case as I said. Many times they'll be in his B-roll for the rest of his career. And then Yuki Oshioka. Enough said. Uh, what was your stock up? My stock up was Strong Machine J. Just because okay. I, this year this year he really proved to me that he belongs in this promotion. I'm no longer worried about his long-term future. Now, do I think his future holds a Dreamgate Championship? No, I do not. But I also don't think his future holds embarrassing opening match wrestler who can't hang with the rest of the roster. He is worthy of whatever big spot he gets in the future. Yeah, no, it's something and, and, where, and by the way, sorry to cut you off, not no. to go on another victory lap. I called that one too. <laughs> For sure. Uh, yeah, no SMJ. It's something that, you know, more often it, it, it felt like eight months ago that's like well we'll see how things are kind of go maybe he'll get some momentum there and it was just something that case you're the one person who held that stock to the moon so of course you have this uh stock down uh my secondary stock down and kind of unfair but there's he is the person within the dragon system who has the biggest stock down case Akuda. yeah oh that's 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 fair i in my head uh, did you have somebody else that you want to talk about in this uh category yeah, I had someone else that I really want to talk about, but Keisuke Akuda, but the person that, not a surprise, that I think had his stock altered the worst throughout the year is Kota Minora. And Kes, I think we need to start considering the idea that Kota Minora should be going away for a while. And 
it's something that I think is very needed. It's something that kind of came to me a little bit throughout the holiday last week in the Discord talking about okay issues with men and Nora, but and and the shame the the shame about the whole entire situation about Kota and Nora is I don't think you could put any fault whatsoever in his hands for what was twenty twenty two was right. No. It, at least in my understanding of the situation, he did everything that was asked of him. He just, he got saddled with a gimmick in gold class mm-hmm. that very quickly ran out its welcome. And then as I detail and my piece coming to voicesofwrestling.com, they did everything wrong to get him into the Dreamgate scene for Kobe World. And, and you know, you and I have a better grip on the history of Toriyaman and Dreamgate than I think most other English speakers and I say that to provide context to the fact that I can't think of another single angle that has taken place from 1999 through now that died a death the way that Kota Minora injecting himself into the Dreamgate scene, first shutting off the lights in Cork and Hall, and then second, the three-way match between Kondo, Yoshioka, and Minora at Kobe Samba Hall a week before the Ultimo Show and Kobe World Pro Wrestling Festival. I can't think of an angle that died a death quite like that. Yeah, and it's something that he's been getting the full court press pretty much since they came back from COVID. So we're talking about now over two years, and he's never had an excursion. He's He came up right before the excursions became a thing again. So I think that you you take a look at where he was entering the year and where he was exiting 2022, and it, it's not his fault. But I think the best thing for everyone probably is for Kodaman Nora to go to not necessarily – it doesn't even have to be necessarily the open-ended one. I don't think it should be an open-ended one at all. But I think it's – he's only 23. Like, he needs to go on excursion. The only other thing uh, – now I'm trying to think about this, and I would love – for our longtime Drangate fans to to chime in on this in terms of angles that they've done that have died a death. The only other one I can think of is they did that five-minute Sua versus Magnum Tokyo match for the the Michinoku Pro British Commonwealth Junior title in Kawasaki. Yeah, March Kawasaki 15th, mode. 2002. Kawasaki mode killed the town. They have they have been i think they did one other torimon show in kawasaki like a year and a half later and i don't think dragon gate runs there all too often maybe i'm wrong on that but in terms of torimon as a draw they killed kawasaki as a town yeah and it's something that kawasaki mode i say that kind of in jazz was like oh no magnum tokyo went kawasaki mode and it's like oh okay what does that mean oh burning down the town and, and basically shooting for five minutes a disaster of a match, one that has been erased from the Drangate history books for the most part. But it was it was this weird thing with that Menorah run. And I agree with you, he would be my stock down this year. I mean, maybe Kaito Ishida, because I, I think it's it's proving that he made a, a poor career decision. But that Menorah, just July 7th through August 1st, was this weird haze where Everything felt wrong. And then as soon as we got through that show and they picked up in Cork and Hall the week after, everything was fine. They they it's it's like that it, that month just never happened. But in the thick of it, 
it was so bad and so excruciating, and everybody knew from the moment that angle took place, nope, this is not it. This cannot be the direction, and they went in that direction, and it was horrific, and they paid for it at the box office. I think Minora long-term is going to be okay. I think this will be a guy who's a Dreamgate champion before he hits the age of 30, but it was a very rough year for Kota Minora. And it's something that he's kind of in a position coming out of 2022 that legitimately fearful because this is a promotion that when young guys don't work out, it doesn't work out well for anyone. Like, I mean, it, it, arguably T-Hawk's never been able to recover. Like, even though, you know, he went Russell one champion and, you know, strong hearts and all of that. Changed the, it completely had the uh, forcing of T Hawk and the crowd wasn't something that completely changed his career. And if you want to take it back even further, Shingo Takagi's first run, they forced Shingo, it took him basically five years until they could run it again. This is, there is a history of this promotion with younger wrestlers that, yeah, we are in a golden generation right now, but it's not too far in the past that. They weren't providing the care, I think, for the wrestlers to succeed at the level they wanted it to. So that's why that's another reason why I'm like, I think he needs to go for a while. I think it's good for everyone because if they if they try it again next summer, it's gonna fail just like this, if not worse. I don't know. I I don't think it can fail worse than this. I agree with you. I think he would benefit. I would like to see him in Mexico. Just what, what does Coach Minora look like on a DTU show is something that I'm now dying to know. <laughs> how is he going? How is it going to look like when he's in Zona 23? Because, the, like, Minora can fucking work. I mean, that has always been my point with him. He, he debuted in 2018. So he was in the middle of Skywalker, Binke, Yoshioka, and then SBK and Kamei and Kakuta. So... He, he didn't have a class. I mean, the, his closest contemporary was OG Shiba, who flamed out rather quickly. It's really important to remember, Minoru was good from his first match. And if you go back and watch 2018, 2019 Coach Minoru, quick little worker, guy that could hang in a lucha setting if he had to. His style has evolved far past that now. But I, I, would, I would like to see Coach Minoru in a DTU setting. I think that'd be very interesting. He has a tight little toe pick on hello that I think people forgot. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, are you ready to close out this podcast, do some match of the year stuff? Yeah, we got to. Uh, should I just kick it off number 10? So, yeah. So, because Mike and I are the voices on this podcast, we're going to read our top 10. Would uh, Do me a favor. Read the match, the date or the show name, I don't care which, and the star rating that you have for it. And then when we get to the top two, those will determine... Uh, the the finish to the ulti awards for this year yep all right so okay so it's gonna be this was a weird year for my notebook uh usually in the past i will have it be like four and a half stars is usually the high end other than rare things for me within dragon gate but i'll usually have a couple four and three quarters right like like just like spread should be that way yes no four and three quarter stars matches this year for me a five star match, but, but so all these are four and a half until number one. Okay. So, and, and my number ten. Are, oh, we gonna, are we going to trade back and forth and do ten and ten and then nine and nine? Yeah, and if we have one that we match up with, we'll do what we do like usual and all go right. with the higher 
we'll, we'll talk about it with the higher position. All righty, perfect. All right, I am all set on this concept that I created that I, I confused myself on. Mike, go ahead, read your number 10 match of the year. My number 10 match in the vanity position, it is rookies versus vets from January 12, 2022. It was Masaki Mochizuchi, Sushi Kondo, Don Fuchi, and Azushi Kanda versus Riki Hashi, Ishanahashi, Shoya Sato, and Takuma Fujiwara. I do not have this match in my top 10. I do not have this match, I believe, in my notebook. So a fascinating pick by you. Walk me through why it sticks out in your head 12 months later. Well, it's it's because of Shoya that sticks out. And it is because everything about Class of 2021 and the veterans was about Don Fuji versus Shoya Sato in this match. Like, there was the standard gut check stuff going on there, but it really was between Don Fuji and Soya Sato, and it ending with all the uh, with all the rookies, and even, I believe, uh, Minorita hopping in on it there. It was just, like, one of those things that it, nothing can replace 12-1-2016 as the best rookie versus Vets match of all time, but this was something that we got something different with it, and it stuck, with my, it stuck in my head, and it was something that, I mean, it's a vanity pick, so I, I had to go that way. What was your number 10? My number 10 from April 7th of 2022, the Kness Retirement Show. It was Dragon Kid and KZ versus Kness and Susumi Yokosuka. So this was notebook for me, but I didn't go as high as everyone else on it. So uh, talk to us about uh, the final Kness match and Kneska versus DK and KZ. I almost feel guilty for not having this match higher because it was so incredible. I mean, the you know... The Masato Yoshino retirement match, which I, I believe was your match of the year last year, an incredibly emotional display. But it was still, it was at the end of the day, it was a Masato Yoshino match. You know, it was it was great because Yoshino was involved. This was a mercy killing of Kanessa's greatest rival in Dragon Kid, and then KZ, who the reason he was in this match is that Kness was the one that really convinced him to get in shape and to work on his body. If, if you've not seen a picture of Kness, or I'm sorry, of KZ from 10 years ago, you were going to be in for a treat. Uh, shocking to say the least. And they go out there and they kill this old man. And they beat him senseless. And then KZ starts crying in the finishing stretch of the match. And it is just a raw, pure spectacle with emotion that only Drangi is capable of doing. No other match that I, I, I've seen this year, let alone any year, has looked quite like this. I, I would feel wrong. There are a few, a few matches that I, I almost had in my vanity spot, but I really had to include this as my number 10 match of the year. Yeah, so last year, uh, the, you were right that was on my list. This was my number 10 match, was the Yoshino retirement match. Gotcha. Yeah, but gosh, KZ just like, I don't want to, it just, what a beautiful finish in that match. I, I, I'm with you on that. What about your number nine? My number nine is from Hokkaido from May 22nd. KZ versus Koda Menonora, four and a half stars. And uh, Casey, did you have this on your list at all? I did. All right. Uh, do you have it at ninth? I did not have it at nine. So we will talk about Menora versus KZ in just a second. But before that, my number nine from March 6th of this year. Dragon Daya and Yuki Yoshioka versus Eita and Yosuke Santa Maria versus Hyo and SB Kento. So you are higher on this than me, and you've been higher on this for like the entire time. And I have, I I was four flat on this. But what 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 made this special for you? I, I I've been interested about this one because you've been very passionate about this match since it happened. 
I know it's a four and a half here, and I these these first few matches are at four and a half. I'll, I'll note when I get to four and three quarters. But I I I was so invested and excited in the Eta Yosuke Santa Maria team this year, and again, it involves Parostum all day upon. So I'm going to tread lightly. I'm so disappointed we didn't get a proper finish to Ata and Maria because it really seemed like that was a direction that they were going. And Ata, who has made a career off of wanting to be Paraguayo Jr., uh, saw an opportunity to bring Paros into Drangeet and, and took advantage of that. And I, I don't blame him for it because let the record show Paros had one awesome match this year, not in my top 10. But if I could give you a match recommendation for a match that's on the network, Nozawa. Kotaro Suzuki and Ata versus KZ Strong Machine J and UT June 26th of this year. Unbelievable match. The the single best match of Nozawa's career. I'm not being hyperbolic when I say that. That being said, back on this match, I was so into the Ata and Maria team. I'm so into Hyo and SB Kento as a team. And this is when D-Courage was starting to click on all cylinders. It was just the right combination of the right guys at the right time in a three-way tag match, which I'm all about when it's done right. This was just a ton of fun in high-level pro wrestling to me. It, it was interesting that we were so set on, okay, maybe we're going to get to see like New Age Millennials coming out of this. Yeah, I, I mean, look, there's, there's an alternate timeline there where Ata spends his year with Yosuke Santa Maria instead of Nozawa, and I think all of Dragon Gate looks very different for that. That is super true. I'm with you on that. All right, match eight for me. Did you have from Champion Gate Night 1 the Triangle Gate match? I did. All right. Did you have it at eighth? I did not. At number eight, I had a match that I, I have a feeling you had much higher on your list. May 29th of this year, four and a half stars for me, Diamante versus Yuki Oshioka. Yep, that's higher up on my list. All right. What is your match? What is this, number six? Seven. Seven. My match seven is from Christmas Day, Yuki Oshioka versus Benke. This was my number 11. Just missed the cut for Ooh. me. Where are you at with this match? It, it's something where I I love this Dreamgate run. This Dreamgate run is for, for how much like Yamato stuff did not work for me. This is that for me. For like the big Yamato fans out there that everything about his charisma works for you. Yamato's never been that way for me as a face, at least his second face run. But this Yoshioka storyline where he is facing the former champion, he's conquering the ghosts of the past, and each time he's getting better and better versus the hottest man in the company. And it just was something that I went back after we recorded and rewatched this match to see if it resonated me with me the way it did. And it held up. It held up. It's something that I thought that, like, class of 2016 is the best match these two guys have had together and they've had they've been on opposite sides of a lot of stuff but i was glad now in retrospect that they got to have this uh, mochizuki dojo slash class of 2016 war finally happen very well put i could not agree more mike my number seven is a match that you had on your list already it's time we talk about from may 22nd of this year a match we both had at four and a half stars coach menorah versus kz what did you like about it well, first off, they're in Hokkaido. They're in the hometown. And this was like one of the few matches where it felt like a hometown match. And then like these two guys, their chemistry between the two of them has been phenomenal. But like the idea of KZ is like the hometown hero and like Kodaman Nora 
not full-blown insane yet, but it was already kind of trending that way, not taking it that well. I just, it, it, it's a simple formula. Sometimes the simple formula works best for me. I completely agree. You know, Hokkaido loves themselves from KZ. Uh, like you said, even in the clap crowd environment, it felt like KZ had hometown support here. This was a fitting rematch of their brilliant King of Gate finals from last year. This match was absolutely terrific. Uh, the finishing stretch in particular has kind of replayed in my head all year. I can visualize this match very easily. And for that, it is my number seven match of the year. Sweet stuff. Uh, my match six was for the Brave Gate from 3-5, Dragon Daya versus Akuma Fujiwara. This was my number six as well. All right. Let's talk about the absolute boy. This match, I'm trying to think. Did I watch these shows live? I think I did. I watched these shows live. And I just, you know, this match opens up the weekend, turned out to be a great weekend of shows. This is the first thing that's there. It's free on YouTube. I feel like I've linked this match a thousand times over the last year. This is when it went from, you know, Fujiwara's a rookie of the year favorite. He's very advanced over his experience level. He's going to be something in the future to holy fucking shit Takuma Fujiwara I I just I, I didn't expect him to have a four and a half star title match in him four months into his career and outside of one minor blemish in this match which they recovered on immediately I, I this was this was flawless this was you know the type of match that you would expect a dragon kid and a dragon diet to have, or a, a coachman nor and a dragon diet to have, just in terms of ex skill level and experience level and polish. And it was with Takuma Fujiwara four months into his career. I this this will go down as my personal favorite match of the year, and will likely be my vanity pick for the overall Voices of Wrestling Match of the Year poll. Yeah, it's just it. This match is on YouTube, still, I think, right? Like, yes, oh yeah, yeah, if, it, it's if, up there. Yeah, and. It is something to see this work out in a way that you have two guys with a combined 40 months of wrestling experience. If you, because it's not like Daya is this huge, like veteran at this point. He, he debuted in 2017, 2018. <laughs> so, 2018. So, we're, we're not even talking 40 months, we're talking potentially 30. It was, it so, was November of 2018, and he missed, you know, he's probably missed probably eight months of his career due to injury. We're talking about two guys with less than five years of experience combined. Right. So you have this and they go out there and you know what weirdly enough this kind of reminded me of in a way? What was that? It reminded me of Dragon Kid versus Pack in a way. And they had what one really high profile singles match? They did I mean they had they had during Pack's original run, yeah. I mean, he came okay, back. Okay. Oh, were you talking about the? I forgot about the Dead or Alive match. Is that the one you were referencing? No, I was. I was referring to the earlier one. I was okay. just clarifying. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was something where both of them were working face at that time, or it was Dragon Kid as Blood Warriors, but he never worked heel ever. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the most insane thing was was uh, le yeah. Le let's have Dragon Kid be a heel in a heel versus baby face war. That sounds great. But it, it, it just it reminded me a lot of that when I was rewatching it. Absolutely. That's, that's a very good comp. I hadn't thought about that, but I think you're right there. Let's go to our top five. Mike, you're number five. My number five is a three-way trios match. Natural Vibes, KZ, Shimizu, and Jackie Funky Kame. Z-Brats, 
Hulk Shun Diamante versus Gold Class Menorah Benkei and Minorita. This was from November 9th, and I was four and a half stars on it. And it just was really... Uh, Casey, did you have this match? No, I did not. I, I This was one that I, it, it found its way moving up my list the longer I went. And, I, and at a certain point, I was like, no, the matches ahead of this, I think, are much better, even though they're just... I, I probably should have made some of these matches four and three quarters. Now I, I, I'm really kind of looking at this. But it just was something that it was really cool to see in a match where you had Kamei and Minorita, people that really have not wrestled the... Uh, the multi-team style come in and flow. And you had all the stuff happening with like new leaf gold class Benkei. And I think out of the trio combinations, this is my favorite natural vibes trio. And I just thought they went out there and killed it for 20 minutes in Corkin. I'm very glad you mentioned this match because although it would have not finished in my top 10, so we didn't miss anything there. I did not have this match listed in my spreadsheet, despite the fact that I gave it four and a half stars in my review. So thank you very much for helping me remember that. And See, uh, it's moving up even your list right now. It's it's going on the list, which is a, a delightful surprise. I it, More ammo in the tank of Shun Skywalker being a great wrestler this year, a four and a half star match that I did not have listed. I'm kicking myself for that. Uh, yeah, no, this was, this was awesome. I remember this uh, very vividly. I love when Dragon Gate does the style of match. And a uh, bad job out of me for not having this in my record. This would have come in handy uh, for SFM 50, but nevertheless, I move on to my number five. And match, I don't know if you had listed or not. May 29th, my King of Gate match of the year, KZ versus Shun Skywalker. Match 11. Wow. Yeah, look, these guys don't have bad matches. I, I, I believe the running total now is four and a half stars for Kobe World 2019, four and three quarter stars for Kobe World 2021, four and three quarter stars for King of Gate this year, and then four and a quarter on their December 6th main event. This was the first time that we got Casey as a babyface versus Shun as a heel, which was a really exciting dynamic. And, uh, you know, look, we, we talked about it earlier. Two guys that don't have bad matches, two guys that were arguably better than even Yoshioka in the ring this year. There's no bad combination of their matches and this one in front of a, a hot Osaka clap crowd, which sounds like an oxymoron, but I stand by it. Uh, just tremendous stuff. This was my first four and three quarters match on the list. Yeah, it just was like my hardest cut here. And when we talk about that May 29th Osaka show, my number four match, which might be higher for you, but we're getting to the point where I'm starting to wonder... It is the King Gate quarterfinals, Yuki Oshioka versus Diamante. Now, this was this was my number eight. So you have the floor here. Talk about it. It's the ma- It was my match of the tournament, Yuki Oshioka. In a lot of ways, this for me in this tournament was his singles coming out party. I mean, he had the matches against Yamato and UT in the lead up there, but this was something where it should have been very apparent right then that Yoshioka was winning the damn thing, but it was crystal clear coming out of the quarterfinals and then it, it's something where i always like it when diamante is with someone who's just a little bit bigger so diamante could take advantage of it because you, you have like this scenario here of yuki yoshioka who not in in the dragon gate roster he is on slightly the bigger side but not really so he's able to base with diamante and that was exceptional throughout the match and then but you also had the chance that diamante can do some stuff there and they and they worked so well case that what is the match that you desperately want to see next year 
It's this I match. Want to, yes, Diamante it's versus Yoshio for, for the Dreamgate. Yep. Yeah. My number four, a match that you had listed already. Kaito Ishida, Coach Minora, and Naruki Doi versus Jackie, Funky Kamei, KZ, and UT from March 5th. I went four and three quarters on this. It was my number four match of the year. I, since you had it higher, I had this one at eight. I was also at four and three quarters. What what had it drive so high on your list? A perfect triangle gate match, in my opinion. I mean, this was vintage, old school Dragon Gate. When people think of Dragon Gate, they think of the trios match. Whether that is still an accurate representation of the company or not, that's what they think of. This is one I could I could. If your knowledge of Drangate was Blood Generation versus Doofixer from 2006, I could show you this, and you would go, yep, that makes sense. I expect I, I, I expect their history is 20 years of these type of matches, and I would go, well, eh, they kind of abandoned it a while ago. But this here, this is when I was so bullish on Gold Class, and I was like, God, this this Ashita Minora Doi trio was working. And then it was a you know a big natural vibes match that they don't miss. It, this is an interesting moment in time right before the wheels fell off of gold class 1.0 and uh natural vibes great as always remember it was during that stretch where gold class was undefeated completely undefeated no one had an answer for it and it felt like that they were going to take on the world then I, I remember we had jay on right before the kness retirement show and i was like so gold class is connecting with everybody right and he's like no i see problems ahead and Boy, oh boy, was he correct in that. <laughs> yeah, but before 30 days later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, uh, I, I was a little too bullish on gold class in the beginning, and I was quickly course corrected on that. Yeah, yep, that was true. All right, this is going to be a heartbreaker, I feel like, for the ulties here for my third place vote. Top three, here we go, your number three pick. If this bounces this one out of the top two, then... Sorry, you should have known this if you've listened to me at all over the last three months. My number three match was from December 6th. It was the Open the Dream Gate match between Yuki Yoshioka and, Mochi- and Misaki Mochizuki. All right, this was my number three as well. I will say, before we talk about the match, this will have no impact on the final placement really? of the ulti votes. I, I, I will go through the point system in just a second, but don't worry, this match is safe. Okay, interesting. I, I I would there was a part of me that was like I it, I'm much higher on the uh, match that was number two on than I was on this one. So it's I, interesting. I, I, I don't I don't think my number two is on your list, and I think we've talked about all of the matches that we we've shared up to this point. So I have no idea what your number two is. I, I mean, it's gonna be very obvious, like in two minutes. But okay, uh, well, y- Yuki Oshoka versus Masaki Mochizuki. Uh, it's Masaki Mochizuki, perhaps one of the greatest big match wrestlers of all time. Yuki Yoshioka is more than up to the challenge. Just the whole counter wrestling aspect with it here. It's not my favorite Mochizuki title match, but it was one that was in the lineage of and didn't let down the reputation. I, I completely agree. It was everything that you would want this match to be. Completely lived up to the expectation. One of the best shows of the year and one of the best main events of the year. My number two match case. Yuki Yoshioka versus Eita from Dangerous Gate on September 19th. A match I did not have in my top 10. But you, but as soon as I started saying Yuki Yoshioka versus, you're like, oh, it's Eita, right? It could have been the Yamato match. I mean, it, it, that's the beautiful thing with Yoshioka. It, it, there are a lot of options there. Yeah, but for me, a Yamato match, uh, I was four and a quarter on that. I was down on that one in comparison to the rest. I just think that this was the most uh astute and faithful 
way to interpret the idea of a traveling champion versus a babyface local in 2022. Like they found a way to make it feel like you're watching Flair going in. And I remember, I I forget who assigned me this match a couple of years ago during the, um, during the Secret Santa, but I got a Ric Flair Coco Beware title match from go, go watch it if you've never seen it. It's on YouTube. Go watch Flair versus Coco Beware. Your Drangate podcast is recommending that match to you. Yeah, and, and I referenced that because that was a match. It was, it was Coco very young, and it was basically the whole entire pursuit of the match was Ric Flair getting in this crowd to believe that Coco Beware could be the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. Like That was the, the thing here. And then this match took that idea and completely flip-flopped it on, oh, God, this young champion is completely being destroyed by, like, this global power who just, in a 23-minute match, if we're scoring, if we're doing a scorecard there, he would have been ahead 10-7 going into the last five minutes of the match. But then he pulled out there. I just think it was one of the best pieces of storytelling and wrestling that I've seen in the last, like, decade. I think it was phenomenal. I understand that this is a match that's, the, the, that is my special match. This is a match that will get the longer caption in in the uh, match of the year category because I can guarantee I'm highest on this match than maybe anyone else who would vote for this thing. I think that this match was absolutely brilliant. It just got put back up on the network. If you've heard me talk about it and the idea about this match intrigues you and maybe it didn't work for you the first time, try watching it back uh, with that thought in your head. And I think... I, I think your experience of the match will be vastly different. I will let you know, in terms of the Alti Awards, you are the only person to vote for this match. Yep, I know it. I know it. My number two, I am one of two people to vote for this match, which will end up uh, having it finish in third place. My number two match of the year, four and three quarter stars from May 5th of this year, Kai versus Susumu Yokosuka. I... I just, I cannot fathom telling 2018 case one, a number of things about my life, but, but number one with a bullet, Kai is going to be open the Dreamgate champion. Everything is going to be okay. And he's going to have a four and three quarter star Dreamgate title defense versus Susumi Yokosuka. The lengths that Kai has made as a wrestler over the last four years cannot be understated. It all came to a head in this match, this incredibly emotional, thrilling epic in the truest sense of the word main event world title match for a prestigious heavyweight championship this had everything going for it these two guys Sumi Yokosuka one of the 25 best wrestlers of all time and fucking Kai did everything in their power to have a great match and they succeeded this was phenomenal this was emotional this stuck in my head all year this will be a top 10 match for me worldwide this year. I am one of two people in the Alti Awards that think this is uh, the number two match of the year. And I am I, I, I adore this match. I have not rewatched it. I have no desire to. It's stuck in my head in exactly the way that I want it. And I, I will choose to hold on to that memory for a very long time. I love it. Uh, I, I like that we completely went in opposite directions this year. That's fun. That's fun. That's fun. Well, do we go in opposite directions for our match of the year? No, and I'm willing to guess that this was almost by acclamation, the ulti winner. Uh, I, I believe you are correct. Jackie Funky Command, Jason Lee versus Demonte and Shun Skywalker from July 30th of this year. I went five stars. You went five stars. Mike, 
almost everybody voted this match of the year. The there there were two ballots that did not. Those ballots had Yoshioka versus Mochizuki as number one, and the tag match as number two. Every ballot featured this tag match. It is the runaway winner. It is the match of the year in Drangate. To me, it is the match of the year in all of wrestling. It is one of the best matches I've ever seen. And it's probably the best match ever happened in Kobe World Cannon Hall, too. It is on the level of Shima and Ricochet versus Pac and Drang Kid from 2011 and Blood Generation versus Doofixer from 2005. Gun to my head, this is probably the best match to happen in this building. Yeah, and it's just like we've talked about matches that we had someone just do completely otherworldly performances. We, speaking of Kai and 5 5 2022, we've talked about people taking a tried and true uh, theory of pro wrestling, a framework, and subverting it with Yoshioka versus Aja in September. But this match, they just went out there and said, you know what, we're just going to have the best damn tag match possible. And that's what they did on a show that desperately needed it. And in context and out of context is really when you could tell when something is transcendent. And you watch Ultimo 35 Live and you're like, okay, this is a weird show. And then you see this match and you're like, holy crap, that just... I knew they were all excellent, but I didn't expect them to be this good. And then you watch it out of context, and you're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm watching this to see my brain get fried. And you sit down and watch it out of context, or you come away with the exact same impression. That's no. That's when you know you have a historical match. That's when you know you have something transcendent. I could not agree more. I, I have nothing more to add. It was a it was perfect match. Absolutely perfect. High-end, world-class, as good as it gets. Those are the all-two awards for this year. I hope everybody was able to follow that. I will not be doing a written version of these uh, for probably about a week or so because I want people to listen to this goddamn episode. But before we go, run down your top 10 uh, from 10 to 1 one more time, please. All right. Number 10 is Mochizuki Kondo Fuji Kanda versus the Hashi Soya Sato and Takuma Fujiwara from 1-12-2022. Uh, match 9 was the first round match of King of Gate KZ versus Kota Menonora from Hokkaido, May 25th. Match three was KZ, UT, and Jackie Funky Kame versus Doi, Ishida, Minora for the Triangle Gate at first night of Champion Gate. That's 3-5. Match seven was Yuki Yoshioka versus Ben K from Christmas Day Final Gate. Match six was Dragon Daya versus Takuma Fujiwara from 3-5-2022. Match five was three-way six-man tag, KZ, Shimizu, JFK, Natural Fives versus Hulk, Shun, Diamante, Zebrats versus Minora, Ben K, Minorita, Gold class from November 9th. Match four was Yuki Yoshioka versus Diamante from Osaka on May 29th. That is a King of Gate quarterfinal match. Match three is from uh is from the early December Corkin on December 6th. Yuki Yoshioka versus Masaki Mochizuki. Match two was from Dangerous Gate September 19th. Yuki Yoshioka versus Eita. And then my match of the year for 2022 globally, not just Dragon Gate, uh, for the Open Twin Gate titles. Shun Skywalker and Diamante versus Jackie, Funky Kame, and Jason Lee from July 30th. And as for me, my number 10, Dragon Kid and KZ versus Kinesk and Susumi Yokosuka from April 7th, the Kinesk Retirement Show. Number 9 was Dragon Daya and Yuki Yoshioka versus Eita and Yosuke Santa Maria versus Hyo and SB Kento from the second night of Champion Gate in Osaka. 
Number number eight was Diamante versus Yuki Yoshioka from May 29th, King of Gate. Number seven was Kota Minora versus KZ from May 22nd, King of Gate. Number six was Dragon Daya versus Takuma Fujiwara from the first Champion Gate in Osaka show. Number five was KZ versus Shun Skywalker from the May 29th, King of Gate show. Number four was Kaito Ishida, Kota Minora, and Naruki Doi versus Jackie Funky Kame, KZ, and UT from the March 5th, King of Gate show. Number three, Masaki Mochizuki versus Yuki Yoshioka from December 6th. Number two, Kai versus Susumu Yokosuka from May 5th. And my match of the year, Kung Fu Masters, Jackie Funky Kamei and Jason Lee versus Diamante and Shun Skywalker, a five-star match from the Ultimo Dragon 35th anniversary show. What an ulti awards we had tonight. Hope everyone gets their gift baskets. Uh, we tried to get the Luck Corporation on this, but it was short notice. Maybe next maybe next year, while we're doing these award case, we're up there, you know, in our white ties with Ulti. But we also have uh, Gekko Ichikun with us as well. Something I didn't mention, I know we're running long here. Something I didn't mention in my written review or on this show or on Twitter. I had a few opportunities to bring it up. I did not. Did you notice during the Shingo match at Final Gate, the clean pass sponge watching ominously in the background? Yes, I because I watched it late, I didn't make any commentary of it because I was certain that Twitter went way past at that time. It, it was looming. Gekko, Gekko Ichikun was leering at Shingo Takagi for half an hour. Look, it, it's off the network, but if you can find a version of Final Gate and you have not noticed this, there's like sequences of this match. There's one specific camera angle. Shingo and Kakuta will be beating the shit out of each other. And 20 yards away is a giant cartoon sponge watching in darkness it it is one of the most unintentional funny things i've ever seen in my entire life and i think that's in a way that screenshot encapsulates dragon gates 2022 if you really want to think about it <laughs> the the let corporation watching over it correct exactly exactly well case we did not get those cards for osaka and kyoto this before we were done recording those shows will be on the 7th and the 8th and we'll be back next week to talk all about them Thank you, everybody, uh, in, in a very genuine way. Thank you, very uh, everybody, for listening this year. I'm always amazed when I see the amount of people that listen to the show, but please uh, continue to tell people about the show. Continue to hit that donut on the Red Circle page, and uh, Mike and I uh, have nowhere to be. You know, We're going to be here all year for the next year covering Drangate better than anybody else. Thank you for listening. I, I hope everybody enjoys uh, the written work that we have done for the site this year. And uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the Altio Awards this year. I can't think of anything else to add. So if you want to follow us, go to Open Voice Gate on Twitter. Please rate and review us on the podcast app of your choice. That's the usually the easiest way and the best way to help out the show, get more people to find out about us. Cases that underscore in your case. I'm at Fujiheya. Thanks for listening to Open Voice Gate. We'll be back to you with you next week, kicking off 2023 in Dragon Gate. Take care. Hi, I'm Case Lowe, co-host of the Open the Voice Gate podcast. The one question I'm constantly asked when it comes to Dragon Gate is how do I get into the promotion? Well, stop asking and start listening to the Open the Voice Gate podcast released every Wednesday on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. For exclusive news and show reviews, look no further than the leader in Dragon Gate coverage, Open the Voice Gate. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.